Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is Friday. Thank you, Rebecca Black, with... Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and it's wonderful to have you with us on a Friday, 7 o'clock CD. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy, you know there are a lot of great songs great that song. have been you know put out in the, in the universe. That's got to be top two. Friday. Oh, it's catchy. It's, it's Friday. Yeah, yeah. Every time I hear it, I get a little, <laughs> yeah. little boost in my seat. Little... You want to go play it again? Yeah. Friday, Friday. I was feeling it this morning. It gets stuck in your head. And I remember she got, that was like the big like viral YouTube video or mm. something like that. Yeah. And she got roasted for that. But look. She was like 13. Yeah. It it's was like a thing. birthday video or something. I don't know. Strange. Yeah. People. Uh, <laughs> We have on this particular program, we're going to talk to Chris and Sean Pronger later on. Chris and Sean have a new podcast, and Chris Pronger is one of my favorite people ever in sports, so it'll be great to have him. By the way, Ben Bailey, did you guys ever watch Cash Cab back in the day? Yes. Ben Bailey's going to be with us at 715. I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. We have him on our show? No? We don't? No, sorry. Oh, he's Matthew Sin. Rock. Matthew's Rock. worked up this way. What's going on? What's up with you? No, I was just Brooke, Brooke had the uh, mouses confused on the computers over here, so nope. she was nope. she was just nope. like moving the mouse over here, and I was trying to be like, no, no, you need this mouse. I, I was going to figure it out eventually. He's <laughs> helping. Randy, he's worked up because he was up all night celebrating the Denver Nuggets <laughs> yeah, yeah. winning by 25 over the Phoenix Suns. 81-51 at halftime, and it was up by 30. I went to bed just after that. It was That was awful, and Phoenix obviously... Didn't have DeAndre Ayton, and uh, you just let uh, Matthew and I were, were talking about it. You've got Jokic in the middle for the, the what's his name? Uh, uh Chokic. Oh, no, he scored yeah. 52 that game, uh, yeah, well, but he missed the key shot. They could have won it in five, <laughs> if it wasn't for for Chokic. They just won the series, but here's the thing he's he's a monster, and it's uh, well, I'll just put it in these terms. The Phoenix Suns were trying to play their their token white guy against Jokic. <laughs> it was not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was not going to happen. It's like Larry Bird would say, "You got to you got to put that. You got to put him on me." Oh, you guys have lost your mind. Don't. Larry did would get offended if they put the white guy on me. Yeah, he, he, he would, would be bothered. Jokic probably took offense to that. Huh? Totally, totally. So the final was uh, Denver one twenty five, the Suns one hundred. I hate this. I. Hate this, <laughs> but if if our warriors, they're our warriors now. They're we. But I might have to root for LeBron James. No. Wow. 
LeBron James and Stan Kroenke. Ah. Uh, eh. Well. You might be right. <laughs> you might be right. This is a no-win proposition. <laughs> There's still some hope. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum could still... He righted the ship in the fourth yesterday. He well, was one for 14. He hit four threes in the fourth to beat the 76ers. Maybe they take him down in game six. We got a little hope in the Eastern Conference. Well... Thank you for the we, by the way. <laughs> but we're hoping that the Nuggets miss the finals. We're, yeah. we, we need oh, them to get yeah. eliminated before they reach the finals. So the the Celtics did win last night. Jason Tatum, yeah, that was a he rugged went, start for him. Woo. Uh, but the Celtics beat the Sixers 95-86. That series now tied at three games apiece. NHL playoff, Carolina eliminates New Jersey with a 4-1 win. Carolina's just really good and really underrated. Uh, by me at least. Uh, Dallas over Seattle by a score of 5-2. to two. The Stars lead that series three games to two. And the Cardinals are back in action after a night off last night. They play a three-game series in Boston, 6-10 pregame. Adam Wainwright will go against James Paxton, a couple of uh, injured pitchers. Wayno has made one start. Paxton last pitched one start in April of 2021. He's a soft-tossing left-hander, so he'll go seven scoreless against the Cardinals. Hmm. Seven scoreless? I can just hear it now, Scott Van Pelt. Listen about this story out of Boston. James Paxton hasn't pitched in two years. An eight-inning gem today against the Cardinals. Yeah. He he doesn't have great velocity? uh, No, he will not. And he doesn't need it? Not against the Cardinals, (laughs) no. Now, here's a statistic, and this is a factual statistic for you. This isn't even a prediction. This is actually going to happen. The Cardinals go into the weekend right now with the worst record in the National League. They will leave the weekend with with the worst record in the National League. They are three games behind Colorado, and there's no way they can eclipse Colorado over the course of the weekend. So when we reconvene, well, when you guys reconvene on Monday, because I'm playing in a golf tournament Monday morning, when you reconvene on Monday, yes, uh, the Cardinals will still have the worst record in the National League. I like I, how you uh, just dropped that because I didn't know that you weren't going to be here Monday. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> you know, there's a little info for you, a little inside info. Said the state of Missouri is uh, struggling in baseball right now. Kansas City, St. Louis. Yeah, it's not great. Nah. Nah. In fact, I was looking, CD, at the last time the Cardinals and Blues both missed the playoffs. Uh, and let's see. The, so that was 2018. So that was five years ago. But the last time both the Cardinals and the Blues both had losing records, which could happen this year, I think we have to go all the way back to 2007? Let me double check here. Uh, Yeah, 2007. That's the last time the Cardinals had a losing record, and it's the last time the Blues had a losing record uh, with the Cardinals. Last time both of our franchises in town. So there are people in town that are 17, uh, 16 years old that have never had both teams have a losing record in the same season. I don't think that that would go over well, honestly. I, it doesn't appear to be right now. No, it's, it's not a, going over well now. It's a lot going on, man. Like, I, yeah. I this, it, it, just trying to figure out how they figure this thing out, how they compete, Randy. That's mm-hmm. really all it boils down to is how much do you want to compete? How, how willing are you to do the job better than your opponent? And right now, uh, it feels like at times you'll see flashes of it, but you don't see the consistency. And that's that's not professional sports. When you're not consistent, right. those are minor league. Those are G League in the NBA. Those are, you know, uh, uh, USFL, XFL, because there's the lack of consistency. When you're consistent, those are the major league and professional players. And right now, they're not. the Cardinals are not a consistent team. No. And you're right. I don't, I don't know how you find it because – 
it's to me this is something that you have to go back to spring training and these have to be drilled mm-hmm. back in the 2006 world series the the tigers made five errors four of them by their pitchers it was pfp it was pitchers fielding practice stuff and they couldn't come through and they they lost the series because of that and the cardinals were really good at it and it was interesting to go down to spring training when Tony was the manager because on the first day of spring training, Tony was just drilling, drilling, drilling. It's a Steelers thing. It's it's one of the reasons the Cardinals and Steelers are so similar because on the very first day of training camp, it's fundamentals, fundamentals, yeah. fundamentals, right? And it's boring. Yeah. yeah. It is you have boring. To do it. That's how you win, though. Yes. It's so boring. It's like tedious. It's every sin- single day. It's mundane. It's like, bro, again. But it, it, it is. It helps because when you get in, in those situations in games, it's just muscle memory. You have no issue repeating the things that you've done all practice, mm-hmm. all summer, all season long. And it, it's just the things that you know how to do. And here's another part of it. is, And I wasn't there, but I know this happened with Mike Tomlin. You guys win the Super Bowl in February of 2009, January, February of 2009. You come back to training camp in Ju- July of 2009. And you're still doing that stuff. Even though you won the Super Bowl, you're back to ground zero. All over again. Groundhog Day. That's what we would call training camp. (laughs) Well, and I wanted to bring this up to you guys, too. But somebody pointed out that the Marquee Network, um, that's the Chicago one, their broadcast, they actually, this is fun, a defensive comparison that they did for the Cardinals from 2022 to this year. And the numbers are dramatically different. Defensive runs saved. They were, uh, let's see tie for fourth in 2022 and now they're 15th outs above average fourth in 2022 17th this season defensive defensive efficiency they were tied for 11th and they're 29th this season percentage of ground balls turned into outs they were second last year 14th this year Isn't that amazing you wonder that's what, a dramatic difference with the same group of guys essentially because yadi wasn't here for half of last year yeah so why the deterioration defensively? Because that, that kind of goes back to what you guys are talking I think about so. fundamentals. Yeah. <clears throat> and for whatever reason, that's not something the players are thinking about. The NFL schedule was released, and we're going to get to Ben Bailey in just a few moments here. But the Chiefs and Lions will open up the season on the opening Thursday of the season. On Thanksgiving, you've got three division games. You've got the Niners, Seahawks, you've got the Commanders, and Cowboys uh, included in that group. And uh, you've got all kinds of great Aaron Rodgers matchups. He's got the full complement the Jets do of primetime games. So the And by the way, I found a game for us. Are you guys cool with uh, November 2nd with Brooks Titans at Kerry's Steelers? Is that, a, is that a game for us to go to? Is, yes. it a, is it a night game? It's a Thursday night game. Oh, that's even that, Randy. I'm telling you all, night games in Pittsburgh are a different animal. So I would like, I'm down. Anything with the yes. Tennessee Titans. Did you guys what did you guys think of the way that they revealed each team revealed the schedules on social media? Everybody had different videos and it was <laughs> so cool. I personally think the Titans, everybody should go look at it. the Titans did the best job. They went on Broadway and they put up like the schedule with like just the logo and they had just people on Broadway just guess like what is this team's name? And every the responses were hilarious. The first one, <laughs> the girl said the St. Louis Rams for the Saints yes. logo. For the Saints, Saints logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a Fleur de Lis on our, uh, our city flag. There you go. It was interesting because it kind of showed all the different characters you see on Broadway, which is a lot. Yeah. Hey, by the way, do you have, uh, we can do it now. If you can find it, do you have the Jason Tatum Minute open? Can you find our Jason Tatum Minute open? Speaking of the St. Louis Rams, and he won last night. So let's give Jason Tatum a minute here because. I think it might mention characters. No, I don't think it does. I think we edited that. Oh, did, did we? Uh, 
Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. And he reps his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Oh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, he can't let it go. The St. Louis Rams. It's time for the Jason Tatum Minute on Carragher. There you go, and it was uh, that was on character and Smallman, but that was well after the Rams had left St. Louis, and he had good for him. He he was he's always repping for St. Yes, Louis. Yes, indeed. And Tatum last night <laughs> finishing with 19, and the Celtics advance. All right, coming up next, if you ever watched the great TV show Cash Cab, Ben Bailey was the host, and he's going to be in town. He's a stand-up comedian. He's going to be at the Funny Boat at Westport tonight and tomorrow. And Ben Bailey joins us next year on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And we've all seen the show Cash Cab over the years for many years. Cash Cab marathons at the Carricker household many weekends over the course of time. And Ben <laughs> Bailey was the host of Cash Cab, and he's on tour now as a stand-up comic and at the Funny Bone at Westport tonight. And he's with us in studio. Ben, good to see you. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Barely awake, but <laughs> still happy to be here. How's yeah. it going, you guys? So stand-up comics that work late at night, 7.30 is now. Not really the mix, is it? No, no. I've got I got about three hours in. I got into town at like two thirty in the morning. So. Uh, but yeah, things are good, man. I've been out on tour for the last month and a half, and it's going to go all the way. I have a little break in July and August, but then I'm, other than that, I'm out there until November. Ben, actually, I lo- December now. Sure. I, I love the show. I, I got to know oh, what thanks, was man. some of the craziest moments you had in those cabs. Oh my god! I mean, I did about. <laughs> I don't know, you know, somewhere close to 10,000 games uh-huh. in the cash cab. So the crazy moments, there's so many of them. The ones that first come to mind, like one time I picked up this guy, I was like, I, you know, because everybody in the chase vehicle could hear me, uh-huh. even though I'm in the cab alone yeah. looking for people. Yeah. I was like, I just go, I have to pick up this guy. <laughs> and I pull over and this guy, I'm like 6'6", 230, right? Mm-hmm. This guy was like dwarfed me. He's huge, enormous man in a rabbit costume. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a giant velour rabbit suit. The guy had to be like 6'8", 300 pounds. Really? Huge guy. And he gets in and he's just got like a really negative attitude and he's really grouchy. And I'm like, what is going on with this guy? How are you dressed? like that at this time of day and you're in a bad mood you know yeah. like someone made you put that or something <laughs> but he didn't end up playing like he didn't want to be on TV really? in his outfit but it was absolutely hilarious like, we just couldn't stop laughing for the whole day well and that's what I was going to ask you because I always wondered with watching that show like there was a lot of people who were really good at answering those questions yeah. knowing the trivia very well did you guys, I mean, you just literally saw someone on the street and you'd be like, okay, let's give that sh- person a shot. And were there times that you just had to completely scrap it? It didn't go well. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of times. Sometimes the people would just be duds kind of like, yeah. I'd be like, you're in the cash cab. And they'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just kind of hear everyone like, uh, we're going to have a camera problem on this one, guys. Okay. And, you know, so we like throw that game away. <laughs> ben Bailey with us on 101 ESPN. And by the way, tickets uh, for the Funny Bone, just uh, Google Funny Bone STL and you can get tickets to see Ben tonight and two shows tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah. I think one tonight. One, one tonight. No, Two and two. Two, two and two. Okay, two, two tomorrow two. at the good old Westport Funny Bone. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be great. So the ever 
accurate Wikipedia says that you were offered a job as a bouncer at a comedy store. You, you are, as like you mentioned, big uh, six six two thirty. How how did the bouncer thing work? If indeed Wikipedia is right, which is about fifty fifty. Well, it's about fifty fifty right about that. <laughs> I actually it was the comedy store in L.A. Uh-huh. Uh, and I got offered a job answering the phones. Mm. And okay. that's how I ended up working there. But I, while I was there, I worked as a bartender and a bouncer, too. So okay. And, and is that how your, your stand-up career got underway, or were you all? It in? is. Yeah, like I, I stumbled into it. I moved to L.A. to get into movies. I always loved mm. movies growing up, and I wanted to work in film, you know. Like, so um, however many kids moved to Los Angeles mm. to get into movies when they're mm-hmm. 20. <laughs> uh, but I stumbled into stand-up. I ended up getting a job at the club and... Uh, the places weren't full back then like they are now. You know, now you can't get a, you know you can't get everybody in. Yeah. Back then, we were like trying to get people to mm-hmm. come into the shows, and uh, so I, they would ask you to stick around. Like, here's a couple of drink tickets at the end of your shift. You know, go sit in one of the rooms and be part of the audience. So I started watching comedy, and I really hadn't watched a lot at that point in my life. And I was just like, man, I I feel like I could do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and the guy offered me to do it. I was telling a crazy story in uh, in the green room, which is where I would sit to answer the phones back then. And these guys thought I was a comedian. <laughs> the guy said, how long have you been doing stand-up? And I was like, oh, I just started. <laughs> like, right now. <laughs> he didn't realize that part. But so then he offered me to, you know, why don't you do my show Saturday night? I said no, because I was terrified. But he gave me his business card, luckily, because the mm-hmm. next day I was like, man, I don't have anything going on. I might as well try this. Awesome. As soon as I said the first line that I ever said on stage, I was I knew. I said I uh, I was really nervous coming up here, and I and I remembered from the Brady Bunch to just picture all of you in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and I told this like big heavy guy that he looked great in his in those panties or something. <laughs> <laughs> I got a laugh, and that was it. I'm like, oh man, this is this is where I'm gonna live right here, you know. And that's that'll be 30 years ago in December. That's great. That's awesome, Ben. What so. do you think about the state of comedy right now with? cancel culture having to be careful on the stage with what you say or don't say what are your thoughts about that uh i'm luckily kind of somewhat immune to that i don't Mm want to say i don't want to jinx myself but like i don't write about stuff that's shocking i don't like uh i don't do anything that's kind of in that area Mm -hmm. i think it's you know i think it's rotten that people could just have everything sort of ripped away from them because of one thing that they might have said it doesn't seem right on the other hand it's kind of nice that People are getting flack for saying things that are inappropriate yeah. and mistreating other people. Yeah. So, you know, but like I said, luckily, I that's not where I'm inspired to write mm-hmm. the area. That, you know, like I write about silly. I end up with all these bird jokes for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. You can, you can like give every... us a bird joke. We have a segment called Bird Watch. So oh, you... nice. <laughs> yeah. I just have all kinds of jokes about birds, and I really don't know why it keeps happening. But I just write about weird stuff, you know, wordplay and, and silly little things that we all do. You pull on a door that says push on it, that kind of stuff. Oh, hey. That, that, this is yeah. her. That's so, oh, yeah. Do you do that? I can never. We have so many doors in this building that go different directions, and I can never figure out and remember. But I'm new here. I'm still trying to figure out which ones I push and which ones I pull. And Carrie caught me the other day trying to like figure this out. Just like pushing on one, it says pull right on it. Because there's like, but then the next door you pull, and I'm like, what is this? Something wrong with this door? Yeah, you can use that joke if you want. Why are you? I wrote it like 20 years ago. If you if you walk up to a door and it says 
pull or push on the other side backwards. And then you're trying to like make yeah. that little, like, oh my God, I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to walk right into this thing. Yeah. We, we should just have a universal like way, the direction that doors go. Both? Yeah. Both? Here's a great one. Yeah, I like that. I Here's like a great that. little sign on the door. Please use other door. <laughs> yes. And you're like, why are you bringing me over here to send me back over there? <laughs> just put it on the one that you're going to use. Yeah. So please use this door. Or, or yeah. just please use. It's like, why does this so door exist? Just, just say this. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. Billy, that's such an interesting way that you got started. So with that being the case, did you have any inspirations in terms of comedy? Because Obviously, Seinfeld did all of his observational stuff. Stephen Wright did yeah. all kinds of ins- inspirational uh, uh, observational stuff. Any inspirations comedically? Well, I, I remember watching George Carlin as a little mm-hmm. kid when I obviously should not have been. Yeah. <laughs> and, like I think a lot of us did. And yeah. I was inspired by that. My dad is a very funny and sarcastic guy. My grandfather on my mom's side was a storyteller. And a really funny, like he just made us laugh all the time when we were little kids. And, you know, I think I developed this sense of humor uh, as a coping mechanism. You know, like when when things were not good, I would always try to lighten it up with a laugh, you know. Uh-huh. I had no idea that it would be my future profession, but I think that's really where it came from. But there's plenty of funny, funny people that inspired me. Some in my family, some comedians, you know, George Carlin and like Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him on like a young comedian special when I was a little kid. And so I would like do routines and stuff already when I was a kid. Cool. And, and so by the time I was actually doing it on a stage in a comedy club, it was like, oh, wait a minute. That's someone else's joke from <laughs> like, but I've been doing it. I've been getting laughs with it since I was 11, you know, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to write my own stuff now. <laughs> Well, and obviously everybody asks you about Cash Cab and stuff. Did, were you able to do stand-up during that time? And is it nice? I know that I'm sure you enjoyed your time with Cash Cab, but is it nice to get well, back into stand-up? <laughs> Cash Maybe. Cab was really, really tough. Really? It's a, like, the hardest job I ever had. Really? And I worked like manually. Like I worked roofing and, mm. all, you know, nothing ever wiped me out like doing Cash Cab. Why Driving a be? cab and running a game show at the same yeah. time is the most physically and mentally exhausting thing hmm. I've ever done. And I so I couldn't do, I tried. I would try to go to the clubs after a day. I'd be driving that cab for like 12, 14 hours a day. Wow, wow. for one for one shoot? For one shoot day, you know, we'd get yeah. like as many games as we could in that day. Uh, but I'm sure it was illegal. <laughs> I'm sure there was like a legal limit that we went way beyond trying yeah. to make the show. But so, you know, as a comedian, like if you take off a month, it's an eternity. Mm-hmm. And to try to get back right where you want to be after that, it's really tough. So I would try. I'd be like, I can't go weeks without doing stand-up, you guys. You're killing me here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd go to the clubs and try to do And I just couldn't do it. I was just too exhausted mm-hmm. and yeah. angry. <laughs> I had all this road rage that I like, take out in the crowd. So like, this isn't working. I'm just going to have to bail until we're done shooting. Yeah. So By it kind of knocked me out of the game for a while. Yeah. By the way, Ben, it's, it's always fun to be in a New York cab because you never know when it's going to be like an amusement park. Were you the amusement yeah. park type? driver? Not with contestants <laughs> in the cab, but, but we had some fun. And you're a licensed cab driver, too. That's Not anymore, no. Okay, you were. Uh, but I was. I had to become a licensed cabbie to do the show, yeah. Yeah. But we used to... I never, I don't think I ever told anybody this on the radio or anywhere <laughs> recorded. Uh, we used to race back to the office at the end of the day. We'd be like, alright, that's the last game. And the director would be like, that's a wrap. And we'd be like, 
the guy that drove the other van and I would look at each other and we would just jump in and you didn't want to be in the back of the cash cab on the way back to the office. It would, would have been terrifying. Oh. So you're saying you don't get the urge now to maybe moonlight, get back into some, maybe just even Uber driving now. You have Uber now. I, you know, it's funny. A lot of people are, feel the opposite, especially in the world of comedy. But like, I never wanted to be a game show host. <laughs> really I know plenty of people are like, I, I, all I ever wanted to do was be a game show host. Yeah. I never wanted to. And it's, so it, it was kind of something that came my way that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Uh, not complaining or anything, because I mean, obviously you take the paths, the, the paths that come to you. But uh, so I'm not real anxious to... <laughs> To, to bring it back because everybody already knows me as that guy when yeah. I've been doing stand-up for almost 30 years mm -hmm. and yeah. it's been a battle to be like, no, this is what I do. People right. still come out and expect. I did an interview yesterday for a show, upcoming show up in Rhode Island and the, the guy was like, so do you integrate like a, a game show, sort of a, <laughs> oh, no. a trivia <laughs> quiz show into your stand-up yeah. performance? And I was like, no. <laughs> And then just quiet. <laughs> just quiet on the line. I just like waited it out. Like, no. And I will not elaborate anymore. But so it's been a little bit of a struggle to sort of identify myself outside of it. So I'm, yeah. I, I'm not super anxious to get it going again. Well, but that said, if they offered, I would I would have to do it, I think. And you've got a good room at Westport. And I love talking to comedians because low mm. ceilings are where it's at. That's a really good, yeah. intimate room. The funny bone, uh, you know. They must have designed it perfectly whenever they did because they haven't changed the thing. <laughs> no, they <laughs> but it is a great room. It's a fun fun room to perform yeah. in. And you'll have a great crowd. You've got uh, 7 o'clock tonight uh, special. Uh, no, 7 o'clock tomorrow. i, I got to read this. 7 tomorrow and 9.30. I don't, I don't know. Oh, here we go. All yeah, I have I to do is scroll. 7.30, 9.30. Yeah, 7.30, 9.30 tonight. 30, so, all For once, I actually know what time the shows are. <laughs> <laughs> all special engagements. 7.30, 9.30 tonight, 7, 9.30 tomorrow. And just go to uh, stlouisfunnybone.com and get your tickets to see Ben Bailey. Good to meet you. Great to have you with us in studio, Ben. Thanks Thank so you so much, you guys. Thank yeah, you. really nice meeting you. We appreciate it. Have a great it. day, guys. Ben Bailey, he'll be at the Funny Bone at Westport twice tonight, twice tomorrow. Coming up, our buddy Jay Delsing talking some golf here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hackman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging beds. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Every 
every Sunday morning you hear golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN and every Friday to talk about his Sunday morning show Joe uh, Jay joins us to talk about what's going on in the golf world and Jay is with us now on the opening drive good morning sir how you doing good morning guys I'm doing great cash cam on that's that's deep that's pretty good did you enjoy that show when it was on it was on all the time at our house Oh yeah, I, you never knew what the hell was going to happen. You know, <laughs> it, it was it was a it was a riot, and, and uh, that, that guy's really really cool, really fun. Jay, you'll be super proud of me. I did my first kind of like mini lesson yesterday over at the Family Golf and Learning Center, and I I think I'm ready to go now. <laughs> oh yeah, you're ready. Get a new set of clubs. Let's go. New outfits, Brooks. You're you're you're, you're ready. Adam does a great job over at Family Golf and Learning Center, and. Hopefully you had a good experience. Oh, I was I was super excited because here's the thing. Like I, I told them like I I didn't know where to start. And so the fact that they were able to help me understand like the grip and stance and all that kind of stuff, I, I felt really good about it. And then I was finally able to kind of lift the ball up. And once I got that going, I mean, they were laughing at me because I had this giant smile on my <laughs> face because I was like, I finally got this. Like, I'm so excited now because I and I sent the video to Carrie and Randy. I was like, all right, I'll be joining you guys on the course soon. But, you know, you know, it's funny, guys, because Tom DeGrand over at uh, Pro-Am Golf does. He has been teaching golf forever. And I heard one of the best lines he used with one of his students because he is just committed to helping people, you know, learn the game and get started. And they hit a good shot. He goes, now you're going to have to work on that surprise look on your face. Because it looks like, <laughs> you, know, you did it by a complete accident. Jay, we had a little bit of controversy in the studio this morning because uh, Brooke did send a lovely video, but none of us got to see it other than Randy because he has a Samsung phone and we have iPhones. And, and, and so I have a theory that when my coaches have Samsung phones, I delete them from the group chat because I don't want them <laughs> ruining any of our pictures and any of our videos. Should we delete Randy from the group chat? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like I've been deleted already. <laughs> you know, Randy, this is the culture that we live in now, man. You can't, you can't be crazy and not have an iPhone. Well, I mean, exactly. Come on. You know what? I'm just happy that I've been told that I've been removed. Some, some people don't even get told they're removed from the, from the group chat. Hey, the PGA Championship is next weekend. Number one, now that we've had a year or so to digest the PGA Championship being in May, what do you think of that? Oh man, I'm still. I guess I'm just as I get older, just more of a creature of habit. I I like having the major season kind of spread out a little more. Um, I, I I think it's going to be interesting to see what having a major championship up in a northern state like Rochester, New York, up in New York um, State, to see what that's going to be like weather wise. Because you know it's dodgy. I mean, it, it, you could you could still get a lot of really cold weather, and it's interesting to see what the golf course will be like. Uh, Condition-wise, because I'm I'm sure there's some some superintendents in the northern states once they acquire the, the PGA Championship are are, are going to have a lot of sleepless nights because of the weather. And when you go in, John Rahm is a heavy favorite, and he's the number one golfer in the world. Obviously, he's prohibitive. But who do you think with that course? And we'll talk about this more next Friday after the first round. But who do you think that course matches up well for? Oh, man. You know, the PGA Championship is one of the interesting uh, uh, majors. Back when I was playing, Randy, they would allow 20 to 30 of our club pros because they're, they're also members of the PGA of America into the field. And so you always 
had some interesting uh, storylines. And um, we all, I've tried to pick winning golfers for ever since I've been doing my show, which is almost five over five years now. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I suck at it. It's, it's, I'm not very good at it. But when you look at um, a golf course like Oak Hill, you need a, it's a ball hitters course. So you start thinking about guys uh, like Justin Thomas, guy, guy, Jason Day has really had some good form lately and has been a great putter uh, a, a lot of his uh, career and kind of struggling a little bit with it now. But um, I, I look for guys like that that, that um, have been around Rory. I mean, it, it, the way that he drives the ball is 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 going if he puts it all he's going to contend what about um, speed what about the way speed is playing well, he's playing great but he pulled out of the i would have put him at the top of the list he was my pick to win this week at the byron nelson but as my picks go he pulled out <laughs> because he, he hurt his wrist and so i'm not sure if um he's going to be able to play okay. but i i love him i mean randy this guy has had what did i read he's he's had 18 Runner-up finishes on the PGA Tour in his young career already, and I think 15, 15 times he's won. But 18 runner-ups, I mean, that's impressive. Jay, did you see uh, Phil Mickelson's tweet about uh, some live tour players not getting into the PGA tur- uh, Championship in Oak Hill next week? Oh, yeah. What, what <laughs> were your thoughts about that? I love a deleted, a deleted <laughs> tweet from Phil Mickelson. So he, he tweeted that the 103, 110, and 111 ranked players didn't get in because they are live players, but the 128th player, Hostler, did get in who is not a live player. And as you said, deleted the tweet eventually. But what were your thoughts about that? Well, he, he kind of accidentally on purpose forgot that Paul Casey got invited and he was ranked number 133. Mm. <laughs> so he, Phil, picks, Phil picks this stuff and then he's like, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that because it doesn't quite fit. I mean, he, he's just trying to make this, this – he's just kicking this, this world golf ranking horse because he is he, – he's just mad because he's not getting what he wants. And – you, you know, it's. It, I wouldn't give live world golf ranking points yet. I, I really wouldn't. It's a three round tournament. I think they need to make it a four round tournament, and I think they need to make a cut, and they need to they need to make some significant changes before I would give them world golf rankings. But guys, this is a perfect example of a a grown baby who's not getting what he wants, and he's mad about it. I mean, it's just, I mean, if it wasn't so amusing, I'd just be so tired of it. But he, he starts talking, guys, and you never know what the hell he might say next. That, that, is, very, that is very true. He kind of keeps everybody on their toes, right? He, he does. And then, you know, when he, so why would he delete the tweet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. He, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. what he, he, But he's, he's, a, he's a one-man um, uh, press guy's delight because there's no telling what he might say. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to ask you about, too, I saw that Myrtle Beach Classic is going to debut in 2024. What do you make of that? And how do we get St. Louis as a part of the PGA Tour as well as a mainstay? Well, so the, the Ascension Charity Classic guys all came about because of the huge success that St. Louis and the PGA of America had at the 100th anniversary at, at Bell Reef in 2018. There's a lot that goes into having a PGA Tour event. The biggest thing, Brooke, is sponsors. 
So when you go from a Champions Tour event, which we have a great purse of $2 million, you go to a PGA Tour event, you're talking about a minimum you know, of probably six to eight million dollars. Then you also have a pro- real problem trying to trying to secure a golf course that has the capabilities to hold an event. You know, because not only do you need a, a really championship golf course, but there's so much that goes with it. There's room for TV. There's there, there's parking. There's just tons and tons that go with it. And believe it or not, most golf courses are not willing to do that because it's such a big ask of the membership to give up the course and to let the golf course, the golf course gets beat to hell the week of a, of a tour event. And that's why you really have to take your hat off to Bell Reef for keeping St. Louis relevant in, in major championship golf. We've got the uh, 2026 BMW uh, tournament coming to Bell Reef. And then we also have the, the 2030, which I hope I'm still alive for the president's cup coming to Bell Reef. And so Bell Reef is really the, 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 and their membership and their, their, their their peeps over there are are the the folks that have kept St. Louis in that mix, but in, it, it's really about a title sponsor, Brooke, and it's really like anything else. It's kind of a money trail. You need to have that money first, and then you can try to start securing some of the other stuff that falls in line. Jay, who do you have on your show on Sunday morning? I got Andy North, who's nice. uh, he was a kind of a mentor to me. Yeah, just a great guy. Won two U.S. Opens and. Uh, He's done some really fun stuff with ESPN and started um, his analyst career in 1992. So kind of fun stuff. And he's also, Randy, I didn't know this, but he has also done some basketball. And, Kerry, I know you're a huge NBA and basketball fan. Andy North has done commentary and uh, color commentary and analysis for the Wisconsin uh, um, basketball team. So it's a pretty interesting guy. Awesome. We'll be tuned in on Sunday morning. Jay, have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, guys. You Thank guys you. too. That's our friend Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. The text line is 314-399-9646. If you're using a little punch code on your Samsung Android phone, it's 314-399-YO-HO. <laughs> Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Okay, time for Tioli on 101 ESPN 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, rumors out there that with the drafting of your new quarterback, Will Levis, in Tennessee, that the Titans will cut Malik Willis, their third rounder from last year, and speculation that Malik Willis would be picked up quickly by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Take it or leave it. Brooke, you're on board with it, and Carrie, you're on board with it. Take it. I'll see why not. If the Titans just gave up on him that quickly, then I guess go ahead and move on. It it seems like they didn't even... What was the point of drafting him if you're not going to do more to kind of make sure that he succeeds a little bit better? I have no idea. It's kind of like moving somebody from their position right Mm. when they get there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. 
I, I don't know. I just I didn't I didn't like how quickly they did not do anything with him, and they were like, "All right, well, that was it. Nice try." I feel like it always takes a little bit. It's I feel like it's rare that you have a quarterback that's fully ready to go in the NFL that quickly. Mm-hmm. I agree, and that would put. And, and by the way, the Steelers were planning to do that with the uh, the former Ohio State quarterback that passed away. Um, mm. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. That was going to be their developmental guy, yeah. and they can. They don't really have that developmental guy on the roster right now. So Malik Willis would be a good fit. Yeah, I think uh, Mason Rudolph is probably gone. I think they gave his number away to someone. I thought oh. I read. I forgot so, he's still there. Yeah, he's. I, I don't. He's I, I understand why. development. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Randy, take, Randy Brooke, take it or leave it. The Philadelphia Eagles will be a better team than they were last year. Mm. I'm going to leave that. Ooh. Hard to do, Randy. They they lost some people. They lost Hargrave. They mm-hmm. they upgraded. Well, I think they upgraded with Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. They lost Miles Sanders. I honestly think a healthy DeAndre Swift is an upgrade. They seem like they, everything that they lost, they replaced with someone that could be better. I think they're going to be better. Lost their coordinators. Yeah, but you know, I don't put much stock into. How well coaches coach. Says says Coach Davis. Says Coach Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Because I, as a coach, can call a great play, and if the player stinks and does it wrong, uh-huh. then it's on the player. I can call a terrible play, and the player can make a hell of a play, and then I yeah. look like a great coach. Right, so right. It, it it's on the player. Yeah. I do think I agree with you from a personnel perspective, but it's just so hard to go to a Super Bowl and then bounce back. And that's the thing that, yeah. from a team standpoint, Lose I think it's going to be really Bowl. difficult. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal this one from the 618. Take it or leave it. Brooke will be the best golfer on the opening drive in 24 months. Oh, I'll I'm gonna take leave that. that. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna leave it. Yeah, I gotta get. Well, yeah, I'll leave that. Rock, oh. I didn't ask you. <laughs> Here's the question: uh, Chris Muir is uh, an honorary member of the show, right? From from yeah. Golf Disco. Uh, well, if you're oh, adding him, okay, yeah. okay. Well, then yeah. Well, Jay. Okay. Well, we, uh, so we. I'm gonna leave it. But of this, the four in this room, I'm gonna take it, Brooke. Okay. Or, I'm, I'm highly you competitive. You have not seen. I told you, angry Randy is the best version of Randy we can find. And if you think he's angered during the fight, you guys see him <laughs> on a golf course. Uh, you should see how, you should see Randy when he actually quits playing golf because the next six holes after he quits playing uh, are his best holes. Yeah, it's true. I can't wait. You're not lying. You're not lying. I can't wait to play with you guys. Okay, eventually, be, when I get to that point, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be well. It'll be fun for you. It'll be fun for Matthew. I'll be I'll be miserable. All right, uh, Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' outfield should be Walker, Carlson, and Newtbar. Every other outfielder should be on the trade block for starting pitching. I can't say every other outfielder should because you got to have at least one there in case somebody. Yeah, stops a toe. Keep Burleson around. Yeah. Taylor Motter, by the oh, way, was Brendan hitting like third for Memphis yeah. last night, and Jordan Walker was hitting fifth. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I will say that, uh, yes, I, I, I'm going to agree that that should be your everyday outfield. I agree with that. I don't need to see any more of Tyler. Well, Tyler O'Neill is going to be hurt, so it doesn't matter. And I don't need to see any more of Alec Burleson on a regular basis either. I've seen enough there. And I don't need to see Wilson Contreras in the outfield. You're done with Burley? I'm done with Burley. So Donovan can be the fourth outfielder? Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. He can be everywhere, honestly. He's so good. Yeah. Throw the baby out with the bathwater, huh, Randy? Mm -hmm. All right. Take it or leave it. Only those who have served as a player in Major League Baseball should be allowed to be a Major League Baseball manager. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I think Mike Schultz was really, really good. 
Yes. I think Tony LaRusso was really, really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm going to leave Joe it. Joe Madden as well. Joe Madden, really, really good. Yeah, I don't think you have to be a major leaguer to be a coach or a manager or, you know, in any in any professional sport. But I do think you have to understand the mindset of a player. Yes. Because if you don't understand that, then they start looking at you like, well, you never even played the game. Did Tomlin play in the NFL? Uh, no. He played in college at mm-hmm. William & Mary. He was a yep. really good receiver. John Harbaugh, the two best coaches in the league. Yeah. Didn't play. Yeah, you don't have to play in the. I mean, they played college, but Tomlin did. I'm not yeah. sure about Harbaugh, but John. Yeah, but they, uh, you know, good guys, good coaches. Yeah, great he, coaches. Did the did the uh, Eagles head coach play in the NFL? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think Sirianni did either. No, he. Because uh, he was a young coach, remember he got fired by Reed yeah. when he went to Philly. Yeah, so I mean, he didn't play in the NFL. He either. was in the Super Bowl last year, wasn't he? Yep, yeah, I believe so. Uh, take it or leave it. The Blues win another. Reed. Andy Reid. Andy Reid's a great Andy one. Reed is a great uh, one. Take it or leave it. The Blues win another Stanley Cup before the Cardinals win another World Series. I'm gonna leave that. Ooh, maybe not. Well, Randy's. Randy's I'm gonna, thinking pretty I'm hard gonna leave there. that. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna say the, the the Cardinals. I think, and the Blues have a lot of good players, but I think the Cardinals actually are better prepared from a talent standpoint to win a championship than the Blues are right now. That could change. I don't think the Cardinals' talent is or problem is their talent. The odds are in favor for the Cardinals to win. They've won more than the Blues have. So I think you would just go with the numbers. Yeah, and it'll be easier, by the way, for the Cardinals to make the playoffs simply because of the division that they play in. The division is not going to get get substantially better over the next few years. Um, we got two different uh, contradictory take it or leave it here on a topic we're going to touch on here in a moment. So I want to get to both of these. Take it or leave it. Zach Gallen made the cards front office look even more like a clown show with the comments he made yesterday about why he was traded. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm going to leave that. I don't. Uh, he apparently was not paying attention when he got traded by the Cardinals. He he was not traded straight up for Marcel Ozuna, and he was a throw in in that deal. Everybody in baseball, everybody that observed baseball, looked at him as a throw in. And whether or not he went to Cardinal minor league camps or not had no bearing whatsoever on him being a throw in in that deal. Well, I thought it was, and I think we're we're going to play that sound later on for those who haven't heard it. It's on social media as well. I thought what that was interesting about it too is do other organizations not require that when it comes to like just stopping by for winter camp and different things or it seemed like he had a lot of he said he had things going on it was after the season and he felt like it was a lot to come back and then they traded him right afterwards or he was gone right afterwards Um, but I think the line that people really honed in on was the fact that he said something along the lines of, you know, everybody knows how the Cardinals are, basically. Just kind of like a mm-hmm. another little shot at the organization. Like, what we keep hearing about mm-hmm. these like kind of behind-the-scenes things that we don't know about. Right. Well, I haven't seen Zach Allen in the playoffs yet. So, <laughs> I know how the Cardinals are. They, they seem to be in the playoffs every year. I'm, I'm waiting to see him in the playoffs. The other one was, take it or leave it, the Gallon video actually makes him look bad, not the Cardinals. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, it's You got the impression, if you didn't know better, if you didn't know what the scenario was, yeah. that the Cardinals had, that he was traded straight up for Marcelo Zuna and was like this highly regarded prospect, which he was not. He turned out great, taking nothing away from what he is as a major leaguer. I don't believe he was a Cardinals top 30 prospect when he got traded. I don't think so. Well, and I think, too, it felt like I like watching that foul territory show, but it's, it felt like they've been like kind of laying it on thick with the Cardinals, too, lately, which I get it's a big story, and even we're mm-hmm. talking about it a lot, but it felt like that that was something that um, they, they've really been focusing on. 
Yeah. Well, sounds like AJ Przinsky maybe wasn't the the best fit for the Cardinals with some of the comments he's made. Yeah. <laughs> you you definitely are feeling some of the the personal personal things come out. Yeah. It's and AJ Przinsky, all due respect, he did he did win a world championship in 2005 with the White Sox. Uh so it's you know, he, it, it is what it is with, yeah. with that situation. Take it or leave it. It would just be nice to have at least one outfielder who is an all-around, everyday outfield. It doesn't matter who's pitching or if they want more defense versus offense. Just give me one outfielder who can play every day. Should have two, right? Yeah. Should be Walker and Carlson. By the way, I, I was incorrect about Gallon. He was the Cardinals' number 14 prospect when they traded him. So, uh, interestingly, though, when you go back to the day of the trade, the Cardinals didn't have to part with their top pitching prospects, Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty, Luke Weaver, or Dakota Hudson. Luke Those Weaver. were the guys that were regarded more highly than Zach Gallon at the time. Ooh, okay. Take it or leave it. Yachty will be the Cards manager with Chris Carpenter as his pitching coach in the next 10 years. Then they will pitch angry. Who's owning the team? Oh. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. I, I, I just don't see it. I, you know, I, I don't think people remember. Yachty had to be talked into coming back to the United <laughs> States last year. Adam Wainwright had to go down to Puerto Rico during spring training and say, Yachty, will you please come back? Yachty wanted to spend time with his family, who never yeah. moved back here after the pandemic. And so he wanted to be there. And then when he left for the knee, then they had to convince him again. I think it was Albert that got on FaceTime and said, hey, come back. And yeah. They guilted Yachty into it because of the record that he was the battery record with with Adam, and it was his, going to be his last year. Yachty, I he loved playing in St. Louis. I don't think that he's so dead set on being a Cardinal manager or coach. And I and I get like you spend so much time in St. Louis, just being able to go back and spend time with your family and your home country as well. He owns a basketball team, and he seems to be really into managing and dealing with that as well. So. Right. I mean, it's it seems like he's happy with where he is. I I would be interested if the Cardinals would reach out to him. I just don't think that they would. Do you? Uh, no, and I think the the issue now, and he has a lot of credibility. Yadi does, but one of the big things that I have a problem with right now is the level of experience with the Cardinal manager at the moment. Yeah. So with all of Yadi's playing history, I don't know that that automatically makes him a great teacher or manager. Also, on Sunday, a Spanish language um, network reported that he's going through a divorce. Oh well, that's too oh, bad. Also okay. not great. Well, so. I don't, I don't he's know going through a lot of stuff right. No, he's going through a lot of stuff right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and Carp, Carp was mentioned in there too, right? The Cardinals have been there, done that with Carp, and they, they already actually, fired Carp. We got a lot of texts lately. People, a couple take it or leave us the entire week. That was like Carp should have never been allowed to leave this staff. Agreed mm. with that. You know what else? Real quick, I saw somebody texted in too. Jim Edmonds needs to be the bench coach for the Cardinals. <laughs> what do you think about that? I think that'd be really good. I th- Jim Edmonds is the bench coach. He could maybe read some uh, uh, some signs, get some signs. Yeah, that'd be good. So, but you know what? I think you probably you probably enhance the the staff. So maybe it, you have like maybe you just give more weight to a guy like Willie McGee. So you have like Marmol Edmonds and. Willie, so you have that threesome uh, for your group in the coaching staff in the dugout. Doesn't sound like a bad plan. No. That threesome. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I laugh at me. Uh, Bradley Carnell, the the head coach of St. Louis City SC, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an incredible. 
in a word. Chaos. Oh, to give away to Klaus, who collects it and resists the anger and scores a wonderful goal. We're breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. City SC with a noon game tomorrow against the Chicago Fire at Soldier Field in Chicago. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carrick, and we go to the celebrity line. And Bradley Carnell, the head coach of St. Louis City SC, kind enough to join us on the opening drive. Coach, good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me. I love the uh, controlled chaos bit. (laughs) Thank you. We we appreciate uh, you enjoying it. Well, let's start with this because this will be one of the big rivalries that St. Louis City SC has in in playing against Chicago. I I would imagine that you and the boys are looking forward to it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously, we we played them uh, this past Tuesday. And, uh, yeah, not an enjoyable result for us by any means. uh, But we're looking forward to going back down there and uh, hopefully uh, right the wrongs that that happened on Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for a rivalry match to be called a rivalry, there has to be a bit of a spice, a bit of an edge. And uh, we're definitely up for that this weekend. Bradley, we uh, were looking at it, and Miguel Perez got his first goal of the season. How exciting was it to see that young man score? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the, the goal is just a byproduct of what uh, Miggy has been doing all along, right? So, um, you, you know, we don't uh, want to rely on him for uh, too many goal contributions through the year because obviously uh, positionally he doesn't really get himself into those spots. Uh, he's more like uh, the terrier in the midfield there breaking down plays, but uh, it's very important for him to progress and develop as a player. And uh, we've seen great strides from, from Miggy Perez. And uh, yeah, he's been rewarded with some uh, junior national team call-ups. So, you know, very proud of him here at the club and... Uh, you know, Miggy's just a, a grounded kid who, who just wants to play uh, a good soccer game with his buddies. So, um, yeah, we're excited to see his progress. I saw that Klaus and Almer are still on Thursday's injury report. So are they not playing Saturday? That's correct? Yeah, so they uh, haven't been able to get out on the field yet. Um, we're monitoring them pretty closely. But unfortunately, this is probably one too soon for both of them. How tough is that, especially to, we know, we've seen how much Klaus has contributed. How tough is that not having those two? Yeah, it's tough. It's, I mean, obviously you look at uh, what they've done in the prior games, um, but I think it's also, you know, a time for, for players to step up uh, in and around them. So, you know, we've seen AZ Jackson get some minutes. We've seen Celio Pompeu get some uh, really valuable minutes. So from that point of view, um, and, and getting Celio on the goal-scoring sheet, you know, against Portland, uh, you know, a couple, couple of weeks ago. So um, we want to see development as a, as a squad. We want to see growth as a group. And, uh, yeah, the only way for guys to, to be competitive and, and to, you know, pose question marks to us as a coaching staff is to get uh, some good minutes. And uh, they train hard, they work hard. And, and uh, yeah, listen, it, like we said, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of an opportunity now for guys to get extra minutes. And, and this is what everyone wanted, right? So when they started playing this game, uh, they know they're in a team sport and they know sometimes there's, there's a starting 11 and then uh, what is my contribution when my name's called upon and, and how can I make this uh, uh, my job a misery to, in terms of selection? So um, you, these, are, these guys are emptying the tank week in, week out, and you know they're trying their best for sure. And uh, we're excited with the progression of the other guys. And Bradley, with that being the case, because it's such a long season, especially when you have your top guys out, getting that developmental time has to be really valuable, I would think, for those young players that are getting an opportunity that they ordinarily wouldn't wouldn't if it wasn't for the injuries. Yeah, success is seen in many ways, right? So success is seen 
you know, a platform and a club being built in year one based on what the academy looks like, what the style of play looks like, what the results look like, and what the development looks like within the group. So, you know, I think uh, we've ticked a lot of those boxes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just uh, keep on trying to control the things that we can control and uh, progressing as a group. And sometimes the results, uh, like the month of uh, month of April, uh, you know, we're... we're yeah, indifferent, I would say. Uh, and then we come back, we, you know, we beat Cincinnati, we tie Colorado, we go down at home, which is always unfortunate to Portland. But, uh, yeah, so the results are not quite uh, like the first five games. Um, but, yeah, no, we're looking to get back to winning ways now. And uh, But you can see development in all those boxes, you know, that we've, that we've spoken about. Bradley, uh, Chicago sits 14th in their division, but they're pretty tough against at home against Western Conference opponents. What do you all need to do to go in there and get a win? Yeah, we need to be one step sharper. We need to be one step quicker in the mind and we need to be a little bit more physical and, and uh, take the game to them, right? So we need to break down their plays. We need to take away their key players and, and take away the time and space. So for us, it's, uh, yeah, we don't want to start the game. We started uh, on Tuesday. Um, you know, unfortunately, within the first two minutes, the game ran away from us uh, and then we play catch up. So obviously trying to keep it tight at the back um, and be brave and positive playing forward uh, football. So we want to try and get in their end and, and score an early goal and uh, yes yeah, it fits our game model you know the race to the first goal um, so that's what we're looking for Bradley when you play you played Saturday had the rain delay and then Sunday Monday off and you play Tuesday does this affect because of your style of play your group more than it might a team that played a different style no I mean <clears throat> we had you know the, the game that uh, we played down in Dallas. The guys played 50 minutes, right? Then we made a couple of changes uh, to that squad with a very competitive group um, that we thought that we had enough to win the game on on Tuesday. So, you know, I think uh, which gives us uh, guys time to bounce around now and get back to get back to the the day job of the MLS, right? Um, back to business. So we feel we have uh, varied those minutes, and we felt we've uh, given guys opportunities, and we felt that uh, we've rotated the roster in in, in a meaningful way that uh, helps through the next couple of games. Well, and also, you know, we keep talking about, you know, staying in your game. And that sounds really, really simple, of course, when we're just talking about it. But what is that discussion like with your players and making sure that they stay to their game, what City SC is? Because it seems like when teams force you guys to dictate the game that you guys maybe struggle in some of those. Yeah, I thought some of our with the ball uh, contribution was really good on Tuesday night, right? So um, I think it's inherent, uh, it's natural for teams that get an early goal to now drop off just a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we handed out a couple of gifts um, on Tuesday night. So I don't think that's a progression of, of anything when we have to make the game. I thought we really made a good game with the ball. Unfortunately, you know, we uh, the chances that we created uh, were were saved on target, really good, uh, but just the final moments. And, and those final moments in the first five games, we could put those away with our eyes closed. So we're getting into the good spots. Um, and I don't feel, you know, that we, we're definitely not breaking down teams. I thought we broke them down pretty well um, in the final third. Um, unfortunately, just the goal scoring uh, was not there. So, you know, I really I, I like this uh, group that we have in terms of our footballing style. Um, we have a good soccer style and we can keep the ball if we need to keep it. But obviously that's not... Uh, we're not a, a team who just wants to play, you know, east to west in terms of possessions. We want to, we want to play a little bit more north to south uh, or south to north. So, you know, we, we we like the verticality. We like the transitional game. That's no secret. But if we have to play the other game too, we we're more adept at uh, doing that as well. We don't mind that.
Noon game tomorrow for City SC as they take on Chicago, and it's a free game on Apple. Bradley Carnell, we always enjoy hearing your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and go get them. Yeah, thank you very much, and hopefully we can control the chaos this weekend. Absolutely. (laughs) Take care. That is Bradley Carnell on Controlled Chaos here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy. Next up, would you have rather the Cardinals signed Wilson Contreras during the offseason or a pitcher? And it has to be a specific pitcher that fits into the uh, the budget. So we'll tell you who that pitcher is and ask you the question next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Well, as you all know, the Cardinals signed Wilson Contreras to a five-year contract with an average annual value of $17.5 million during the offseason. So that was the price that the Cardinals were willing to pay for a free agent. They signed one free agent and gave him $17.5 million. And the question throughout the course of the first part of the season is, why didn't the Cardinals do more to address their starting pitching? If they liked Andrew Kisner so much, and they've made him... They did make him 33 games into the season. Their starting catcher. Why didn't they just sign a pitcher? So the question is begged at that point, kids. Should the Cardinals have signed a starting pitcher? There were several starting pitchers that were signed for close to the same average annual value as Wilson Contreras. One of them was Taiwan Walker of the uh, now Philadelphia Phillies. Should the Cardinals have signed either Taiwan Walker or Jamison Tyone? Those, uh, and, and one other one, by the way, Nathan Eovaldi, who got a two-year deal. But the Cardinals were looking more term and, and for younger. And, and Eovaldi signed very late in the process. The Cardinals are notoriously quick workers in free agency. So would you have rather had Taiwan Walker or Jamison Tyone in your rotation or Wilson Contreras as your nominal DH now? Where would you have preferred the Cardinals spend their money? You can send us a text, send us a mic drop. Uh, the Cardinals were not going to go. We'll make this point. They're, they were not going to go $43 million on Justin Verlander. They were not going to go $37 million a year on Jacob deGrom. They probably weren't even going to go $27 million a year on Carlos Rodon. I think that we can safely say that the Cardinals were going to be in that $17 to $18 million range if they decided to go forego the catcher for a pitcher. Well, and here's the thing. When you brought up Puerto Rico and Yadier Molina in that earlier segment, it made me remember, you remember last season when Yadi kind of went missing for a little bit. Well, not missing. He was in Puerto Rico. Was in Puerto I guess Rico. that's the better way to phrase it. He was missing but in Puerto Rico. Don't you remember that Mozeliak kind of held like a little media session and he brought up, you know, that they were possibly looking at a catcher. They've been very consistent in the way of that they were always looking for a catcher to find somebody to replace Yadi or Molina. And that was with Andrew Kisner there. The biggest thing that that we knew with Yachty, we know how he handled the pitching staff. We we definitely see that now about how that was a huge factor with his success, with the Cardinals' success as well. But the biggest thing we always talked about, right, and it seemed like the front office had the same mindset, is offense, right? Mm-hmm. And so they wanted a offensive catcher. 
and then bring in Wilson Contreras. Yes, we know that they were courting Sean Murphy and all that stuff, but it seems like they were really set on finding a catcher. A pitcher, starting pitcher, was not even something on their mind. Right. And they look at Gordon Graceffo, who was their minor league pitcher of the year, as a number one front of the rotation guy. Whether he becomes that or not, certainly open to question because the Cardinals have had multiple number one front of the rotation guys like Alex Reyes, like Jack Flaherty, who haven't become that guy. But they look at Gordon Graceffo as that guy, and that's that was going to be the centerpiece for Oakland. If they parted with Sean Murphy, they wanted Gordon Graceffo. And I have to believe that regardless of what a guy like Sean Murphy would have done in St. Louis, if Gordon Graceffo becomes Sandy Alcantara, again, Cardinal fans are up in arms because the Cardinals gave up the wrong guy. I, I agree. And so I think when they were looking at this I thought that this was the right decision going after Wilson Contreras. You wanted to have the catcher. You were losing Yachty. You felt comfortable with the staff. We all thought that maybe they should add, you know, another arm to that starting rotation. I don't know that if they would have gone out and gotten a starting pitcher, if anything, would be drastically different. I mean, we're still seeing some of the same issues, regardless of who's behind the plate. And you wanted that guy. You wanted that name guy. Mm -hmm. And so you have Walker. You have uh, Jameson Tyon. I I thought Chris Bassett could be an option for for them Mm -hmm. in the offseason. But they went catcher. The frustrating part for me is either – Randy, I equate it to football, right? So if you got a quarterback. He's been in the league for eight years. You know whether or not, or you will learn or understand, you should know when you're vetting him whether or not he can understand and read defenses. Mm-hmm. You are not going to sign a quarterback in free agency to a, a, a huge contract and then say, you know what, this guy doesn't understand defense. This guy doesn't understand the playbook. This guy can't do all of the things that we hired him to do. So, you know what, we're going to put him at slot receiver now. That's what are we doing or or what was the process in the offseason in trying to vet Wilson Contreras? If you're saying that he's unable to do this, that's not a him problem. That's a you problem. You Mm -hmm. went out there and decided to sign him to this contract. So it's interesting that that we are where we are right now because. It feels like someone didn't do their due diligence. If he's unable to do it, then that's a that's a front office issue that they didn't do the re- they weren't responsible enough to figure out if he was right. able to do it. And by the way, we do get a text Brooke that says they should have traded for Sean Murphy and re-signed Jose Quintana. Nobody had better info on Jose Quintana's health than the Cardinals did. And Jose Quintana hasn't pitched and isn't pitching until July. Mm-hmm. So I would have to believe that was part of the reason that the Cardinals lacked significant interest in bringing Quintana back. But to that point too, it makes sense cuz one thing that I'll never forget is that Jose Quintana talked about his relationship with Wilson Contreras and how mm-hmm. close they were. Wilson Contreras mentioned that as well too. Those two were very, very close. So, And if you're having a disconnect between the starting pitchers and your catcher, having a pitcher that has a good relationship with him already prior going into that, that kind of would make sense a lot, right, too. It's just, the thing is, is if you're going to say that you're going to go out and find a catcher, you're going to invest your money in that Either way, they should have done the right things to make sure that he would be successful here in St. Louis and not give up so early because, I mean, it felt like they were pretty set on their starting rotation, and that wasn't even something that they were thinking about. Remember Mosaic said they had six starters, Mm -hmm. right? And Dakota so, Hudson was one of them. Exa- exactly. <laughs> and, and so then you so then you go get a catcher. 
but now you're already moving away from him. That was your investment. You they had they were very clear from that from even last season before Yachty left that they were going to get a catcher. That that was the conversation. They felt comfortable with six guys, and Dakota was the sixth. And they sent he's not he's not here. Mm-hmm. And so you you have uh, Jordan Montgomery, who you felt comfortable in. Miles Michaelis went out and was giving up so many hits in his first few starts. I think he settled down a little bit. Jack Flaherty, you're still waiting for him to come around. Steven Matz had a really good spring, but has not pitched well yet as a Cardinal in the regular season, in my opinion. And so you got six guys, but no, you don't. You really got one, two, now mm-hmm. that Wayno is back. Hopefully he can, you know, do what he's accustomed to doing. But there, it's not six guys. It, it, it never was six guys. And so you go out and get a catcher feeling that that's what you need in the lineup. But when in actuality, you needed some more depth in the pitching rotation. Yeah, and I want to throw one other thing out here in regards to free agent pitchers. Justin Verlander and Kate, uh, Kate Upton were not coming to St. Louis. <laughs> Carlos Rodon wanted to pitch for the Yankees. Jacob deGrom was in it for the money. So that maybe that's one guy you could have gotten. But with his recent injury history, were the Cardinals prepared to give $37 million a year to a guy who's essentially been hurt for the last three seasons, three I full can't seasons? I doing that. I, I, and you've got a desperate franchise in Texas that made that investment. And now DeGrom looks like he's under, going to undergo Tommy John surgery. Here we are in May of his first year of a five-year contract. Well, and that's the thing that kind of bothers me in this too, is that clearly the Cardinals and Mosellock can point to, well, look, look at all these guys who are injured. Aren't you glad that we didn't invest in that? You you could say that. Look at the Yankees. I mean, their injured list, their payroll for their injured list is really expensive right now. So you have some teams that did spend a lot of money and it's not panning out. So teams like the Cardinals could say, well, look, at least we're not wasting money in that regard. Yes, this isn't working out with Wilson Contreras, but at least we didn't do this. Well, and if you're the Cardinals, the Yankees make $600 million in revenues and the Cardinals make $200 million in revenues. The Yankees can afford to make big mistakes. And Wilson Contreras, I think we can all safely say right now as we speak on May 12th, is a mistake. The Cardinals can't afford a $17.5 million a year mistake. I I don't know that it's not. I don't know that it's a mistake. It's a. Uh, it's. Here's my thing. Here's why it's a mistake right now. Okay. Because he's not catching for you. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, I guess that would be a mistake on their part if they if they didn't know going in that he was unable to do the task that he was being hired to do. Then yes, that is a huge mistake. I, I don't think it's on Wilson Contreras, though. No, I think he no. is who he no. is and yeah. has been who he has been. And the fact that you made the decision to move him from that position to place him in the DH role, it, it's still mind-boggling to me because it feels like you didn't do a good enough job vetting this yeah. option. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. It's on them. It's not on him. Yes. Exactly. Contreras received the most expensive co- in the contract in Cardinals history for a player who has never played for the team. That's a, that's a pretty substantial investment, Eclipsing right? Eclipsing Dexter Fowler. Mm. Yeah, and who then we saw how that... Mike Leak. Mm. <laughs> That's not a great free agency. Stay out, Andrew Miller. Stay out of free agency. In 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 their in in Wilson's defense, those two guys didn't perform well at the positions that they were hired to do. Wilson, in my vision, in my view, hasn't performed poorly behind the plate. If I tell you to throw the ball down, man, why would you leave it over the middle of the plate? If I'm on my butt is on the ground expecting it to be a one hopper, why in the hell 
Would you hang it over the middle of the plate, sir? Who are you mad at, man? Is that San Francisco or Seattle? That was, was San it? Francisco. <laughs> Randy, yeah, his, his ass was on the ground, literally, <laughs> sitting down. Randy yeah. hit his glove on the, on the ground. <laughs> Throw it here. What are you doing? How are you mad at him? <laughs> that would be, I would have brought that video in and paused it right here. I told Brooke, that would be my screensaver <laughs> on everything I have. It would be my profile picture on everything. Me sitting on the ground with my glove on the ground and the home run going over the fence. Well, and somebody from the 314 texted in, starter ERA is worse since the 29th. That was with Contreras. Neither ERAs are good, but it's not a catcher issue. I think that that's, yeah. I think we're seeing that now, right? That, that was, that's kind of the point of... Starting pitching is the issue. We knew it was going to be the issue. We can address it in the offseason. You went and got a catcher. You should give him the tools to succeed. Plain and simple. You heard what Joe Madden had to say about that, about what they did to help Wilson Contreras. You made the investment. Nobody forced you into this. You have to find a way to get him back behind the plate and make it work. Because it's not that he's not. It's clearly that it's not hurting or helping the the starting pitching they're they're still the same way that they are and you did a real disservice to kisner because if it's still bad now who do you blame when it, if it's still bad kisner too who, <laughs> no. where do you put him at how about dusty blake i, I mean Randy, that's a, there, there's I the one i can't yeah. blame the coach the man is sitting on the ground, Randy. <laughs> but that's one pitch. Blake didn't uh, throw the but, pitch. But when we talk about the philosophy of somebody had the philosophy of throwing eight sliders in a row. I don't know who it was, but somebody allowed that to happen. And Randy, the pitcher shakes his head. I, I understand we got a break. Yeah. But here's my thing. I, I brought this to you all's attention a, a few weeks ago that the pitchers were all, I thought it would be a little bit more gamesmanship where they would take the pitch clock down to zero. They're throwing the ball with eight seconds yep. left. So you cannot tell me you don't have time to shake off a pitch. It's your pitch coming out of your hand. Who yeah. the hell are you mad at? Tell them, no, I want to throw something different. I got six seconds left. Let's hurry up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Philosophically, they can change things. Yeah. But the, you don't get rid of 13 pitchers, unfortunately. Well, yeah. It's still, yeah, it's still execution <laughs> it, of the I pitches. Agree with that. Execution of the pitches, right? Yeah. And that's on the pitchers. Wilson Contreras, Andrew Kisner can't control that. Right. But you have to provide game plans and instruction as to how to succeed. That is Brooke. That is Carrie. I am Randy. And the fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Andrew. Andrew, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing great. You ready to take on Randy Carricker? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Who did the Cardinals lose to in the final game played at Bush Stadium 2 in 2005? Is it the Chicago Cubs, the Houston Astros, or the Philadelphia Phillies? 
I believe it was the Astros. Who was the first St. Louis Blue to put up a season of over 100 total points? Chuck LaFleur, Bernie Federico, Red Berenson. Uh, Berenson. Which multi-World Series winner holds the all-time Major League Baseball record for home runs by a left-handed catcher? Is it Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, or Daryl Porter? Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Which multi-World Series winner holds the all-time Major League Baseball record for home runs by a left-handed catcher? Yogi Berra, Bill Dickey, or Daryl Porter? Yogi Berra. The first ever World Series MVP was awarded for the 1955 World Series. Which position won the award 10 of the first 11 times? Outfielder, second base, pitcher. Uh, second base. All right, we'll double check those answers and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Andrew, how you feeling? Uh, not good at all. I wasn't even born. I wasn't even born in that last question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Rock tends to, you know, he, got, he he's a history he's a history buff. Oh yes, he is. He, he has a, you know, he goes way into the depths and years. Sometimes he said he wasn't born in that last question, so that's a tough one for him. None of us were, but yeah, and I wasn't. Rock, don't don't you don't no, have to defend it. You did a oh. good job. You don't have to defend oh. everything. Rock, I learned in therapy. You don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. That's that's okay. <laughs> but they're fun. you don't have to go. Fun. You don't have to take but part in it. every fight you're invited to. Sometimes you can walk away. <laughs> Randy, <laughs> yes. say hello to Andrew. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, How you morning doing? Randy. Good. How are you, Randy? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Who did the Cardinals lose to in the final game played at Bush Stadium 2 in 2005? Okay, so let's qualify. Regular season or overall? Overall. Uh, That would have been the 2005 Houston Astros, the game after Albert hit the home run. On the train tracks in Houston, the Cardinals came back, knew they were going to win, but then Roy Oswald happened. So uh, (laughs) it was the Houston Astros. Who was the first St. Louis Blue to put up a season of over 100 total points? I believe that would have been our friend and the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico. I don't think anybody did it before him. Uh, I don't think Gary Unger got to 100. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Bernie. Which multi-World Series winner holds the all-time Major League Baseball record for home runs by a left-handed catcher? Okay, so multi-World Series winner helps me out a little bit here. So does the fact that Carlton Fisk hit right-handed. Anybody who watched Game 6 of the 1975 World Series knows that. One of the great shots in baseball history. Great story. We have to have Bob Costas tell that story sometime. Uh, Mike Piazza was a right-handed hitter, if I'm not mistaken. Johnny Bench, right-handed hitter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, multi-World Series winner would that would include the St. Louis and Yogi Berra. Mm. So I think I will go with him because I think he might be fourth among catchers with home runs. So I will go with uh, multi-World Series, a lot of World Series winner, Yogi Berra. The first ever World Series MVP was awarded for the 1955 World Series. Which position won the award 10 out of the first 11 times? Ten out of the first eleven times. Okay, logic would dictate that you've got a pitcher here. Fifty-five was our first year, huh? 
So you're right in the midst of the Yankees, uh, the the Yankees dynasty. Okay, so ten out of the first eleven. Uh, I'm gonna, I gotta go with the pitcher here, because Bob Gibson got it in 1964, if I'm not mistaken, when the Cardinals won. I am going to go pitcher here, Brooke. Better than left field. (laughs) Makes sense. All I can say in this one right now is this was not a win by just one question. We finally got a little distance between the winner and the loser today. So who is it going to be? Does Andrew come in and take down Randy on a Friday? Always our favorite thing to go into the weekend. Or does Randy move into the weekend with another win and a clean sweep of this week? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm so happy to have friends that are happy when I win and don't want me to have a miserable weekend like Kerry <laughs> Davis does. Exactly. Gosh, so much better. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew. You heard the sounder there, Mr. Buck. He got four right that Randy did, and he beat you four to two in today's fight. Hey, I'm happy to get two right. There you go. That's a good number. And let's go through those questions. The last game played at Bush Stadium 2 in 2005 was, in fact, the last game of the Cardinals in the NLCS. They lost to the Houston Astros. The first St. Louis Blue to put up a season of over 100 total points was, in fact, Bernie Federico. Red Berenson uh, got close with 80 points in his second year with the Blues, uh, in Blues existence, I should say. And which multi-World Series winner holds the all-time MLB record for home runs by a left-handed catcher? Multi is an understatement. He's got 10 of them, Yogi Berra is the king there. Number two is Brian McCann, who uh, obviously not wow. as much not as much success in the, the World Series department. No. Uh, the first ever World Series MVP was awarded for the 1955 World Series. I don't think a lot of people would have been able to, to name Johnny Podras of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Podras, excuse me. Uh, there's an O in there, so I thought maybe it was mm, different. Yeah. Um, of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the first ever World Series MVP officially awarded, but he became 10 of the first 11 pitchers to win that award. 1960, Bobby Richardson of the New York Yankees and the second baseman, the only non-pitcher in the first 11 World Series to be named MVP. So 4-2 win for Randy Carricker. Andrew, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. You have a great weekend. You guys as well. Thank you. Good job, Andrew. So does Bill Mazeroski win the MVP of the 1960 World Series if he doesn't hit the game-winning home run in Game 7? By the way, this is one of the most amazing World Series. You guys want to have some... You, you guys want a fun fact, a Randy fun fact here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, this is unbelievable. Let's see if we can get to 1960. Here we go. We've got the Pirates and the Yankees. This, you, you'll be amazed. You can use this uh, with your friends, okay? At a, at a party tomorrow night. <laughs> Pirates win game one, six to four. Yankees win game two, 16 to three. <laughs> Yankees win game three, 10 to nothing. Pirates win game four, three to two. And game five, five to two. Yankees win game six, 12 to nothing. Oh my God. And then the Pirates finally win 10 9. So the Pirates were outscored in the series by like 25 runs, yet they won it in seven <laughs> games. Un- unbelievable. Uh, let's see. The final was Pirates wound up with 27 runs in that series, the Yankees had 55. In a seven-game series, 55-27, the Yankees outscored the Pirates, but the Pirates won the series. And I think I think uh, Bobby Richardson is the only, yes, Bobby Richardson is the only one to win it from a losing team. 
No. They won it. Oh, Bobby Richardson for the Yankees. Yeah, I'm saying Bobby, uh, Bobby Richardson was Roski at the home run. Yeah, Bobby yeah, Richardson was the second baseman for the Yankees. He's yeah. the only one to, uh, to lose. It. There's little another little piece of trivia for you. Yeah, so there you there go. There you go. Yeah. Nice Bill Mazeroski with the game winner. Nice little party fact for you. 55-27, remember. Also, I think they. I think I saw the only, still the only game-winning home run to clinch a World Series like full-on. No. Uh, Joe Carter, 1993. Oh, okay. Right. Randy, we got a texter that uh, asked, is this the fight, guys? Kind of seems like Randy teeing off on pitchers leaving the ball over the plate when it's supposed to be in the dirt. And to that I answer, no, it's not a fight. We call it the bludgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Courtesy of Randy Carricker. It was the only only time a winner take all game ended with a home run. It was the first World Series to end on home run. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Carter's was game six. When he hit the game winner, the bludgeon. Good job, Randy. <laughs> Thank you. The Bird Watch is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. I got a bird watch for you guys. You want it? Yes. Remember Jordan Walker? Yeah. Oh, no. 274, 700 so plus OPS for the Cardinals. J-Dub? What, 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 what position did he play? He was an outfielder. He was a good, okay. good right fielder for the Cardinals. Had like the longest streak ever for a rookie in a... In a yeah, yeah. He streak. had a lot of hits. He had a lot of hits. 20 hits in 20 years. You know, the Cardinals, as great as they are at player development and teaching and coaching, sent him down because they really didn't think that what he was doing was good enough. Mm. So they sent him down to Memphis, and boy, is it working. Last night, J-Dub went 0 for 4, so his average is now at 159 at AAA with a 283 on base and a 250 slug. So his OPS is just over 500. Uh, yeah, good move, Cardinals. Yeah, way, to, way to coach him up. Well, my and that was why I was wondering, too, about sending him down, is I would assume that you would have your best coaches up here in the big leagues with helping your hitters, pitchers, all that kind of stuff. So if it's something that he needs to work on, I figured that you could do that here, right? Guys, I got a text last night from a noted Uh hitting guru, and I was troubled by it because it said, quote, and this is a guy who works with major league hitters all the time, says, the Cardinal hitters suffer because they are not taught properly. Goldie Arenado do something different. That's what the others are taught. Or they do something different than what the others are taught. So Goldschmidt and Arenado, they're veterans, and and they they get to do what they want. But this person texted and said, the other hitters are not being taught properly. That's kind of alarming. Well, and I felt like that was, like, very well known, too, right? Because Paul Schmidt... Uh, I said Paul Schmidt. Schmidt. <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt. I, why did I do? Why did my brain do that? Paul mm-hmm. Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado have been very open about that. That they they work with other people outside of the organization. Mm-hmm. And at first, I didn't really think much about it. I just kind of figured a lot of guys did that as well. But to that point of what you're saying, it makes me think like, okay, are other guys just listening to the guys within the Cardinals organization and not having that outside help, and how that's affecting them? 
it appears to me, and I don't know this definitively, that the Cardinals have such an ego about their teaching ability that they really don't want to let anybody else in. Mm. As opposed to Whitey, who would bring in consultant coaches during spring training and would allow players. Heck, Whitey kind of made Barry Larkin's career by giving Barry Larkin a hitting tip one day in a, in a game in Cincinnati before a game. He said, you should do this. And Barry Larkin listened to Whitey. All of a sudden becomes a Hall of Fame hitter. The Cardinals have access to Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire would be more than happy to join them on the uh, on the Zoom or whatever and help them out. You see the kid Jared Kelnick in Seattle who's off to a great start. He's doing Zoom sessions with Mark McGuire. Mm. If you have access to this guy who is a member of your Hall of Fame and wants to help, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? And you have Jim Edmonds, too, who is very, very insightful. I mean, the way that, especially when he gets into breaking down a game, I think that's when he's best on those broadcasts. Mm -hmm. The way that he sees things, I mean, that that has to be so helpful. And he worked with Harrison Bader a lot. I mean, he they they know that he does work with players individually and they they have seen that. It just makes you wonder, too, like with this whole Walker situation, going back to that, they said that they were going to keep him here. Mm-hmm. We played that sound. They said that they were going to stick with him, and then you send him down. What does that do mentally to the player? And also, are you giving him enough resources, kind of similar to the Wilson Contreras situation, are you giving him enough resources to actually fix those so-called problems? If you look at two body types, and I don't know where the relationship is, but there could there be a better guy to talk to Jordan Walker than Matt Holiday? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, and yeah. I don't know where their relationship is right now, but it seems like Matt Holiday would be a guy that could, you could utilize to advance a guy like Jordan Walker. Yeah, the one thing you have to do as a player is be able to take information in and be able to dissect what you need and what you don't need because uh, you you're going to get a lot of information and I think right now you know Jordan Walker is probably getting a lot of information on what to do and it's harder when you're a younger player and haven't had you know sustained success when you become an older player there are some things that are said to you you <laughs> you'll just listen like okay cool mm-hmm. all right yeah. and, and you won't take any of that in because you already know you have a foundation set for yourself when you're a younger player still trying to gain as much knowledge as you can, it can be difficult and it can become, you know, overwhelming with all of the information that that is being brought to you. It's more it's easier to simplify things and slow things down than it is to be able to take all of those things in and try to process them. All right. Let's hear another bird. So speaking of hitters, my bird watch is going to be a positive spin. We're going to take a look at Ooh. the Pauls. It's a great time to be a Paul right now for Pauly the Cardinals. <laughs> you have Pauly G and Pauly D. Paul Goldschmidt has 14 doubles and seven home runs while hitting 306 for the Cardinals. Paul DeYoung is 12 for 35 with three doubles and two home runs over the last 10 games. It's a great time to be a Paul. Great time to be a Pauly. I'm, I'm very happy with <laughs> Mine is going to be the front office. We we talked about all of the the things that have gone on. Um, right now, it seems as though they've done the right thing in, in terms of Paul DeYoung. He's he seems to be corrected. We'll see if this can continue. But just the fact that you signed Wilson to that contract, you send Jordan Walker down. It seems to be a lot of things taking place where it 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 seems to be like it it doesn't look like there's a lot of great leadership in how they're running this organization. I read a uh, article yesterday from Ben Fredrickson and I thought it was interesting. He said the Cardinals have allowed 5 plus runs in 63% of their games this season. That is an issue that we knew coming into this season. 
pitching would be an issue, and it seems to be still an issue. If you give it, if you're giving up five runs and not scoring eight runs like Randy and I said they could, you're probably going to lose a lot of those games to the tune of you know two thirds of the games you've lost is because you've given up five or more runs. I'm glad we've come back to we said they could rather than they would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, <laughs> we 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 walked that all the way back. Randy. Yeah, big time. Yeah, they. Uh, this is just unfortunately. It's not their year. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, Cardinals can sweep Boston this week, and regardless of what happens with Colorado, the Cardinals will still have the worst record in the National League. And we're headed towards Memorial Day. I've always talked about how Memorial Day is a big benchmark, and they're going to get to Memorial Day, and they're not going to be very good. It's just unfortunate. The record's not going to be good. They might improve. But here's the thing. The reason that I've defended the Cardinals over the years is because the journey is always great. They're always in the playoffs. When you're going to spend a season hoping to get to 500, that is not mm-hmm. I expect. And my expectations aren't to win a World Series every year. I think I'm a little bit more realistic than many that I don't think that the Cardinals should go to the World Series every year because yeah. the Yankees don't do that. The Dodgers don't do that. It's hard to do. It's hard to get to a World Series and win it. But the Cardinals should be better, especially with the offseason that they had and what they claimed, what they told us. They should be better than than hoping to get to 500 by the end of the season. Yes. By, by like a long shot. I would say this is definitely disappointing at first. You're just like, okay, maybe they'll work their way through this because of the roster. But, I mean, the management of the roster is seemingly not working out. And maybe the construction of the roster as well, too. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mess. Yes. <laughs> Hate to say it, but it is. Uh, that is Birdwatch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are going to get to the Rush Hour Reset. Coming your way with Brooke, Carey, and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. To give you an idea of how difficult it is to find pitching, starting pitching in Major League Baseball, tonight the Boston Red Sox are going to start James Paxton, the left-hander who hasn't started in two years. He's had an injury-plagued career, and he will go for the Red Sox at Fenway tonight against Adam Wainwright. If you have paid attention to James Paxton's career, it's been interesting. He started his big league career in 2013, but we talk about guys that don't spend a lot of time starting. James Paxton in his career has never started 30 games. He gave the Mariners 136 innings and 24 starts in 2017. Then he threw a league leading, major league leading, two complete games and one shutout in in 2018 when he threw 160 innings in 28 starts. Then he made 29 starts for the Yankees after coming over as a free agent in 2019. Since then, five starts in 2020, one start in 2021, nothing in 2022. And tonight he makes his first start of 2023 for the Red Sox. He's been with Seattle and the Yankees previously. 
you keep saying James Paxton, and I just instantly go to Bill Paxton. I get that. That's reasonable. <laughs> Twister. That's yeah. all I can think of. Yeah. Billy was in movies, right? No, yeah. he's, he's a starting pitcher. Okay, James Paxton. I, you know, Randy, I don't know if the what the Cardinals. I don't know what to expect day to day from the Cardinals. <laughs> and just being honest, do yeah. you? I don't no. think any of us do that are watching it. Maybe they have some secret sauce, some special <laughs> ingredient that we are missing in the front office and 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 in the in the dugout and in the in the clubhouse that. They're just waiting to unveil, and we're going to see it come to fruition here in the future. But day-to-day, I just don't know what to expect from this team. Yeah, because last weekend was tumultuous, and I don't, I don't know if we can go through that again. And that leads me to what I was going to ask you guys about is don't you kind of wish – I understand that there's some things that you need to keep private. I think we all are adults here. We understand that. There, you're not going to reveal every little part of your game plan, what you plan to do. But don't you kind of wish that John Moselock would – possibly hold court and just kind of air out a little bit saying, look, like we don't like this record right now. We, and I under, we understand the fans frustrations. This is the little maybe just like a little bit of things we're doing plans in place internally to kind of turn this around. You don't have to reveal every little right. thing, but just saying we have the coaching staff now doing this and this with the game plans. You know, we're we're tackling these things head on instead of. You know, you hear about the couch discussion with Wayno, Flaherty, and Contreras. That's obviously not the that was not the end of solving all the problems. Just air things out. That's something I really liked about Doug Armstrong yeah. during the Blues mm-hmm. last season. Is Doug Armstrong really made himself made himself available? And that wasn't fun. Nobody had fun during that, but he was willing to do a press conference. It wasn't just one person over the phone. Mm-hmm. It was facing the media multiple times to address issues as it went on. And that, I agree with you. In Mo's position, he needs to, or maybe it's Gersh's position now, somebody needs to explain what the heck's going on. Well, let's get him on. Mo, Mo. Well, Calls in. We'll do that. We'll let's let's, let's get him on and on ask yep. and see if he will if he will answer those questions because we all would like to know and it's not yep. like we want the Cardinals to be successful as as I'm sure everyone in that office does every every player every yeah. coach you know on that team wants to be successful. No one wants to go out and not know if you're going to win today. You want to have a feeling that we have an opportunity to win every single game we play in, and thus far it hasn't been that way because of. Uh, as you said, a multitude of reasons. Some days it's pitching. Some days it's catching. Who's catching? Some days it's fielding. Some days we're not hitting well. So figuring out how to be successful every single day, I would like to know what the plan is for that. Guys, you know that Tom Brady has a brand. He sells stuff. And uh, if you go to the Tom Brady, the Brady Brand website, bradybrand.com, you can see that he sells a number 12 T-shirt, white jersey with black numbers. Why? Now we know, because reports this morning that Tom Brady is in talks to buy a stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. So mm. that's why Brady would be having the uh, the silver and black look, because he would be a part owner of the Raiders. Apparently non-controlling. He wouldn't have any real input into how they run their football operation, but he and Mark Davis are buds. So Brady interested in that. And the NFL schedule is out. The Chiefs will host the Lions for the opener. Really fun Monday night schedule, by the way, for Joe Buck and ESPN. They're going to start with Buffalo and the Jets. 
They've also got the Saints against uh, Bryce Young and the Panthers. They've got the Browns and the Steelers. They've got Philly and Tampa and Baker Mayfield. Uh, they've got the Rams and the Bengals. That'll be a fun game in early October. And as you go down the stretch, uh, they've got a lot of other great games. And it'll be fun. I, the, the league really bought it, has bought in to Aaron Rodgers with the Jets and that hype. Yeah, they they really have, and it's and it's finally done too. It felt like that just took so long as well, just to get that done. Yeah, <laughs> that was dramatic. That was like a soap opera in itself. Oh, yeah. The NFL loves that. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> stories in the off season are always wonderful, and I think the NFL does it the best. They find yeah. something every single month yep. to keep you engaged. February is going to be uh, the the combine, March free agency, mm-hmm. April draft, May schedule release. Like They find a way every month to keep you engaged, the build up, and then they have something to talk about. And then before you know it, the season will be here. Yeah, that's just what the Cardinals are doing, Carrie. You were talking ah. about you never knew what to expect with the Cardinals. That's what that's what it is, too. It's, it's just, like a box of chocolates. Yeah. Mm. Just building up that anticipation of the lineups, what's going to happen next. You know, never know. Mm. Keeping you on your toes. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> now we've revealed their secret plan. <laughs> that's it. That's the secret plan. It's like a soap opera. you got to tune in every single day. You never know what to As expect. As the world turns. Yes. Yep. Uh, by the way, the the most must-watch games, you've got the Jets and Giants in Week 8. You've got the Dolphins and Chargers, Tua against Justin Herbert in uh, Week 1. That'll be fun. Packers and Lions, Week 12, that's going to be the uh, – and that's Thanksgiving. That's going to be where the torch is passed to the Lions. Bills and Jets, Week 1. Bills and Bengals, Week 9. Eagles and Cowboys, also Week 9. Niners and Eagles, Week 13, rematch of the NFC Championship game. Bengals and Chiefs, Week 17, probably decide home field in the AFC. And then the Eagles at the Chiefs, Week 11, a rematch of the Super Bowl. With Aaron Rodgers moving uh, to New York, does he still own a stake in the Chicago Bears? Uh, Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks. No, no, no. Aaron Rodgers. The Bears. He said he owned the Bears. Oh, yeah, he owned the Bears. He owns them. He he still owns them. Yeah, he owns them. I'm sure he still does. Yeah, he'll probably tell them that. (laughs) Either way. I I love that. I own you all. You all stink. Pretty good. Tell them the truth. That's our Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, have the Cardinals passed the torch in terms of running the organization to people other than John Mosaylock? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This contract is really the transition of the post-Mosaic era. And the only way that's true is if he has an approach that isn't as hands-on. He's transitioning to hand this organization off, this front office off, to a new regime, new decision makers. And if John Mosaic's doing that, he can't be micromanaging. He has to sit back and let some decisions fail and fall flat. So to me, that's what this is. That's Greg Amsinger of MLB Network with us yesterday here on 101 ESPN. An interesting point. John Mosaic did sign a two-year contract extension to remain the Cardinals' pobo, mm-hmm. but contract Extensions were also awarded to general manager Michael Gersh and assistant GM Randy Flores. And it's Greg's belief, and it's not out of the realm of personality, uh, of uh, re- reality by any stretch of the imagination, that 
maybe Mo has ceded some of the control of the organization and the people that are eventually going to run the organization are the ones that are making what we perceive as mistakes. Here's the thing. I love Greg to death, even though I haven't met him before. I like him a lot because he shoots things straight. But one thing that I don't understand about that is, isn't John Mosellock still currently the president of baseball operations for the Cardinals? Yes. Yes, yes. Why would he just step aside and be like, well, you know, even though I got like a few more years left on this contract, because he has his whole legacy, right? And people are always going to remember how your full body of work, but they're also going to remember how things ended. Do you really want the end of your legacy? If that is the true end of when he's going to be done with the Cardinals organization, do you really want the end of your legacy to be this? And that's where I just don't believe that he's completely hands off, because I can't imagine with everything that he has put in the energy and time into this Cardinals organization, bring in Nolan Arnato, bring in Paul Goldschmidt, bringing back Albert Pujols, that he would just be like, well, you know what? Even though I'm still president of baseball operations, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to go ahead and just pass things off. This is all on you guys. This is all on you. Because he was a part of the Wilson Contreras signing. He was the one that went down with the interview. I don't know if Gersh was there. I don't know if Flores was there or not. But we do know that Moselock was there, a part of that. For So to say that he's just kind of stepping aside really wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, to me, I didn't necessarily agree with that either. I feel like if you are on the end, the tail end of something, you want to finish it off the right way. And, yeah. and you never want your name attached to something that you didn't fully have controlling or a part of. So I don't I don't know that that's part of the the mindset. I think he's fully engaged in what's going on. I just feel like what we talked about Randy and Brooke the the money ball aspect of it and and it it kind of the light bulb went off a little bit. We talked about Yadier not wanting to come back. They had to go get him to come back. And now you're seeing how valuable Yachty was. And maybe there was a, a a feeling from Yachty that these guys don't value me enough. They value numbers over people. And so if you value numbers over people, then you feel like I can put the exact same numbers as one player, player A and player B, and I will get the same results. However, you won't. You will mm-hmm. never get the same results because – Player A may have a little bit more calmness in certain situations in comparison to player B. The the times of the 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 stats and how they're being put together might not be the same types of situations. So I think it's important to look at the players as opposed to actually looking at what the numbers show you. And and maybe that's what Yadier was feeling. These guys don't appreciate me enough. They think they can get any number, anybody to fulfill my role, and they can't. And Wilson Contreras is kind of going through that right now. He's a guy that has done an outstanding job in his entire career, but they want the numbers to show that this person should be playing this position. And that's why when he made the announcement that, Ali Marmal talked about we have to go through our processes, that he needs to to spend some time working through our processes, which apparently, if a guy like Wilson Contreras is having difficulty with it, they must be pretty complicated processes, right? Yeah. So uh, I think what you're saying, CD, is 100% on. It's not necessarily about the person as much as it is about adhering to the cardinal processes and their marriage to those processes. Yeah. So who do you think, and and maybe this is somebody texted in, 
Fall Guys, right, CD? I think that that's that is that what Greg is kind of insinuating that there's somebody, even though it's Mosellock who is the one who's addressing media members to talk about this roster, to talk about certain situations. As I mentioned earlier, I'd like to see him do it more, especially with all of this going on right now. But I mean, who is is that? Just them trying to push off onto a fall guy, and also, who are you going to pass the torch to? Is it going to be Gersh that takes over? I personally think Randy Flores has done an amazing, amazing job with the director of scouting. The players that he has been able to scout have been fantastic. Getting those guys to the big league level has been hit or miss sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's on him. And he, I'm looking at it from a different perspective, Brooke, because. The Cardinals are and should be very proud of what they have accomplished analytically. The first team to have an analytics department was the Cardinals. The reason analytics are what they are now is because Jeff Luno came in and built a huge analytics staff. And the analytics has had a huge amount of success winning in Major League Baseball. But whenever we would have old school people on like Tony La Russa or Whitey Herzog, uh, and when you would listen to interviews with people like Bruce Bochy, they'd say eventually it's going to circle back and it's going to get to be more about people. And now you're seeing the people, people like Bruce Bochy, like Buck Showalter, like Terry Francona, like Brian Snitker that are having success. And I think the analytics movement has been caught up to. Everybody knows the analytics now. They're all the same. So what I think it needs to happen for the Cardinals is in two years when Mo steps down, they should look outside the organization and try to look, take a look at what is working now rather than what worked, it'll be 2025 by then, rather than what worked in 2015 and 2016 and 2017. Yeah. I think that you need to evolve. And I, I don't, the Cardinals don't bring in many people from the outside. I think that helps you evolve. Yeah. Well, and here's a question for you guys, too. What would you say has been the Cardinals way and the Cardinals way when they've been successful? On the field, it's aggressiveness, it's base running, it's good defense, and it's playing the game the right way and allowing the other team to beat themselves. Off the field, it's obviously been scouting and development that allowed you either to bring players to the major league level or trade young players for established stars like Goldschmidt, Arnato, Holiday, Roland, at all over the course of the years. That, to me, has been the Cardinals' way. And if you want to go all the way back to the branch Ricky George Kissel days, it's getting young players to be aggressive and play clean baseball. Have you all ever seen, I'm sure you have, the Venn diagram of fast, good, and cheap? Like if it's mm-hmm. fast and yeah. good, it won't be cheap. If it's good and fast, it won't be uh, – if it's good and fast, it won't be, be cheap. cheap. If it's fast and cheap, it won't be good. That mm-hmm. yeah. seems like that's where the Cardinals are right now. They Are they going to be – Fast and good? Well, no, because that won't be cheap. They're going to have to mm-hmm. spend some money on that. Are they going to be cheap and good? Well, they're, they're cheap and fast? Well, yeah. That, that All of those things tied together is trying to figure out which route they're going. And right now, it seems like they're trying to be good and cheap. That's not going to be fast. We're going to be waiting a while to see the the fruits of that labor. They, they, they're not going to spend money in the manner in which they we want them to. And so... When you're going in that route, you're not spending money in the offseason. You're not bringing in the pitchers. You get a catcher. You move them. It feels like they are, without telling us that that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. Bill DeWitt always says to us in the media that he asks his employees, what 
provides us our, with our competitive advantage today? What is mm-hmm. what are we doing to provide provide ourselves a competitive advantage today? You look at Houston, who were smart enough with all those young kids that are being signed at 16 in the international market, waiting until they're 18 or 19 and then signing them. So they build a pitching staff that way. Why people stopped watching international kids at 16 is beyond me, but they did, and the Cardinals are one of those teams. There's a competitive advantage for the, for the Astros. What's a competitive advantage for the Braves? Succeeding and being aggressive in the international market, finding Ronald Acuna, finding Ozzie Albies, finding the guys that you can make a trade for Sean Murphy with, and then keeping their players intact. They've got most of their roster tied up for six, seven years. That provides their competitive advantage. What provides the Cardinals a competitive advantage today? I don't know what these people are telling Bill DeWitt, what our competitive advantage mm-hmm. is today. You need to be cutting edge. You need to be unique. And I maybe if, when we get Mo on, we'll ask what their competitive advantage is today. But right now, I don't think there is one. Yeah, I think I think that that's a, a really good point, because you even look at what has changed so far. And, and that's why I asked you the Cardinals way question, because mm-hmm. we've talked about that so much. They've gotten away from the Cardinals way. And if that was them just kind of adjusting to the roster or trying to, you know, find a new competitive edge, something is not translating with the players. Yep. And the results. So what you need to do if you're going to be a Cardinal fan this year is get some of this Chris and Sean Pronger JRNY <laughs> Canadian whiskey. We're going to talk to the brothers about that and their podcast next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And one of the things this world needs is a podcast with Chris Pronger. And lo and behold, <laughs> we've now got the Journey podcast with Chris and his brother Sean, who join us now on the Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. Prongs, good morning. How you doing? How you doing, Randy? Everything's great. Great to hear your voice. And uh, like I said, uh, and you wrote it here on on the little release for the podcast, and it just it's just so Chris Pronger that. Uh, there are people that hate you, and you're sure there's going to be some douchebags along the way. That is, that is so Chris Pronger. Uh, well, perhaps. <laughs> we're, we're actually here to talk about the Journey Whiskey. Uh, and I, I like the Journey Whiskey. I'm excited about it, and uh, it, it's off and running. What prompted the two brothers, and Sean, we'll start with this, to get involved with a, a whiskey brand? Well, we spent enough time drinking whiskey. We thought we might as well uh, create our own, so uh, something that we like. Um, no, I mean, we we decided to kind of go down the road about 18 months ago. We met with a guy from Niagara Falls Craft Facility, Andy, who's in the car with us, <laughs> and uh, came up with the idea of, of doing a whiskey, and then it was like, what do we want to call it, and what do we want it to be about? And, you know, it's about, you know, kind of the journey. It's like, like a cat tip, uh, tip of the cap to the journey of life, the journey we all take. The good, the bad, the ugly, and, you know, when you, good things happen, you're going to get together with friends and, and share a drink. When bad things happen, you want to get together with friends and share a drink, and, you know, we just want to be part of the uh, part of the conversation when you're doing that. Sean, I'm interested. You are the older brother, and you're in a household with a younger brother. Both of you all are professional athletes. I got to know, I'm an older brother, so I, I know me and my brothers have had some disagreements at times. How many times have you and Chris gotten into it, and, and you had to show them that you were the older brother indeed? <laughs> Uh, I would say, I don't know, probably a couple hundred thousand. <laughs> There's been a few bleeding yeah. along the way. Uh, the, the tagline back then was, oh, the prong boys are going at it again. And, uh, yeah, we, we, battled, we battled a lot. It was a lot. 
Well, and that's why you have the whiskey to kind of smooth things over after those fights, right? <laughs> oh, I like that. I yeah. like that, yes. Because <laughs> is the number one answer when people try it is the smoothness. So I like, yeah, we're just trying try to smooth things over. I like it. Oh, okay. You can give me like a little percentage on that. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I, I just want to ask you guys, we see a lot of, you know, celebrity alcohol brands. What, is, what makes this one so different? It seems like you guys put a lot of work and effort into this. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, a big a big part of it is, uh, as you know, I'm very type A. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, when I do something, I'm, I'm all in. And uh, I think having the opportunity to to build a business with, with my brother and, and you know, kind of come back full circle to our days growing up in Canada and, and having a Canadian rye whiskey like this with uh, a smooth, with a little bit of spice to it, which is kind of my life. Um, it's kind of resonated with me and, and certainly have an opportunity to work with my brother and, uh, and build out something that, uh, that we're big believers in. How much uh, did you guys know about the, the whiskey industry before you got involved? How much did you know about making it and what it took to develop a product? Uh, zero. I knew. Uh, we, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I, all I knew is I like drinking it. Uh, and I, like, I know what kind of taste I like. So uh, I was uh, an amateur connoisseur and then uh, actually went through three different iterations of the, of the product to, like, get it to where, you know, we like it. I think that's the biggest thing is, like, we wanted something, if we're, our names are going to be on it, we want it to be good. Uh, we didn't want to just put a stamp on it and then, you know, be on with our, you know, go on with our day. Um, so the number one, we wanted to make sure it was good. So we went through the tastings and it was kind of funny, you know, because we don't know the, have the whiskey vocabulary. So... To like change it, it was like they had to like kind of you know speak to us like we were little kids and like okay, you want us to do this or this and so they tweaked it and I mean nailed it. Um, so I mean that that was the number one thing that we wanted to make sure that that, that tasted good. Yeah, we went through three different iterations of just tasting and Sean and I would Facetime one another. He's in California, I'm here in St. Louis, and we just kind of sip on it, let it marinate, kind of talk through the flavor profile and and how we wanted it to taste and what we thought would resonate with uh, whiskey fans around the world. Now, my favorite drink is an old-fashioned, so i got to know where can we get this whiskey from, and would you all mind sending us a, a sample so that we can taste this and <laughs> then give the information well to all of St. Well Louis over there. there. <laughs> well played. Way to put us on the spot. <laughs> uh, we are uh, actually doing some site visits this morning. Uh, you're going to be able to get it at Deerberg, Schnooks, Total Wine, Dirt Cheap, Ralph's. Uh, a number of local restaurants uh, across uh, Missouri and Southern Illinois. So also you guys are launching a podcast, right? At some point, yes. That's, uh, that's in the, the near future. We're still in discussions on trying to finalize some of it. The name of the whiskey for uh, Sean and Chris Pronger is Journey, and it's J-R-N-Y. Sean, in the NHL, did Chris ever slash you? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was like usually when uh, he was, because uh, as you know, he, Chris usually was mashed up against the top line. So whenever my line would go out there, he was coming off. So he would slash me on, on his way off. <laughs> Chris, Chris, this sounds like the, the playful Chris Pronger slash. I was trying to get back at him for all those bloody noses when I was a kid. <laughs> Got to leave a, a welt here or there. Doesn't let on there. <laughs> That's fantastic. The name of the whiskey is Journey. Chris Pronger, the the Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champ, and his brother Sean Pronger, and it'll be available here in St. Louis, as you mentioned, Schnooks, Deerberg's Total Wine throughout the area, and. 
I know, and follow, Sean. Uh, Randy, follow us on social media, The Journey Whiskey, on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll be posting updates as to various locations uh, where people can get it. Uh, that's awesome. And I know, uh, Sean, I don't know you as well, but Chris, I know with your name on it, it's it's going to be great. And uh, so we're looking forward to having the, the Pronger Brothers Journey Whiskey as part of the uh, the alcohol lexicon here in the St. Louis metro area. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We Thank appreciate you. the time. All right. Thank have a great you. one. Take care. That is Chris Pronger and Sean Pronger, and they have their new Journey Whiskey out today. Uh, and uh, it's got the nice little 44 logo. And those guys, Chris Pronger on a podcast will be a riot because Chris is a, a fun guy. Yes. And they have to have the whiskey, I assume, yeah. right there oh, with yeah, them, right sipping on it yeah. so that they can even tell more stories. Yeah. And, and I guess if you see Carrie Davis walk into a grocery store somewhere in St. Louis today and immediately you turn around and walk back out, it's because the Pronger brothers weren't there. And he's <laughs> like, okay, I've got to go find him somewhere. <laughs> and by the way, Chris is involved in the, and we'll get him on soon to talk about the travel industry as well because he's in the premium travel industry. And that's doing very well post-pandemic. So if you are looking for a a great trip uh, and you want to really do it right, get in touch with Chris Pronger. I'm going to give you the name of his his business right now. A great journey, you might say, Randy? Yeah, Mm. it'd be a great journey. Yeah. Uh, you're, all, you're just you're just you're selling people taglines today, Brooke. Come I know. I got to stop doing this for yeah. free. Hold these yeah. back and offer them. Just go to uh, Well Inspired Travel. It's wellinspiredtravels.com, and uh, that's Prong's travel company, and it is amazing. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock, let's rock today. How exciting is it to know that you can go see Aerosmith in concert October 26th at Enterprise Center, and you don't have to sing for it this morning. Mm. Yesterday, you kind of had to sing for it, and it was cool. It was great. Good job, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, right? Good job, Ryan. He was fantastic. Today, we have your chance to score tickets to see Aerosmith with the Black Crows October 26th at Enterprise. And all you need to do is text us to win free tickets, and you need to answer a trivia question. Get all the ticket details and find a bonus chance to register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 app. Matthew Rocchio, who's getting ready for uh, this uh, rock and roll segment, also is the person that is coming up with a quick question, a quick trivia question for us. Uh, What do you got, sir? Well, it would help if I turn on my mic. We just talked... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to Chris and Sean Pronger about their new whiskey, the Journey Whiskey. We Randy referred to Chris Pronger as a cup winner, so my question to you is pretty simple. What team did Chris Pronger win the cup with? Okay. There you go. Cool. <laughs> you know what I found? Oh, go ahead, Rock. I know it's rock and roll. You, 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 do, you, do, you, I mean, do you have something for well, rock no, and roll? I was looking at MLB.com, and it has the 10 biggest surprises so far this season, and the Cardinals <laughs> are number three. The picture, uh, the gra- it has Wilson Contreras on the on the picture to start off, but they are number three, and they say from the hustle battle, the Oliver Mar- Ali, Ali Marmol versus uh, Tyler O'Neill edition to start the season off, and then you got Wilson Contreras. You've had uh, Jordan Walker, the phenom, being sent down 
now. Hi, we are number three in the biggest <laughs> surprises in MLB based off of what MLB.com says, and that ain't good. No, and th- because this doesn't happen to the Cardinals. No. Like, no. Was it Greg that said, this is stuff that happens in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Yes. This doesn't happen in St. Louis. And that's the, I think that's another reason why it is such a huge story, because it's just not what you are used to with the Cardinals, and it's like what Ollie said, like, Everyone in the league is not hoping that they, you know, get things better or, you know, they're not rooting for their success right now. I think people outside of the Cardinals organization are enjoying this because they have had so much success. And this doesn't seem like something that the Cardinals would do. No, it's not what they do. It's not who they are. And yet here we are standing in the middle of it, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, uh, one of the things I want to throw out a little bit more positive, a little bit more fun. Brooke was talking about the great job that the Tennessee Titans did yes. on their their um, NFL schedule release video. Yes. It's a hard one to kind of turn just to media uh, to audio only because the picture and everything is very important. So go to their Twitter, their Instagram, what what have you, and watch it. Was a great job, but I do think they might be playing for second place total in like all of the NFL schedule reveals for the teams and unfortunately I also think they're playing for second place in their own division because the Jacksonville Jaguars put out maybe one of the best ones I've ever seen I'm sorry Brooke he just said this was positive what was that (laughs) because the Jaguars put out wait because the say it was positive I didn't say it was positive I was so excited I thought he was about to play the video I wanted to I was thinking about a game it doesn't transfer well without the pictures and things like that but I did want to play this this clip from the Jaguars schedule release video which i honestly think it it takes the cake this year i'm not a conspiracy theorist but this is blatant they couldn't write a crazier script week one you'll do this week two you're gonna have hamstring injury this referee is gonna miss this call what an incredible season you couldn't write this stuff actually i did I'm Asher Grodman, head writer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last year was my first year with the team. The previous guy was going for more of a comedy angle, but the joke didn't fly (laughs) with the team. Literally. (laughs) Just like your favorite TV shows, every NFL team has a writer's room that comes up with scripts for games. Remember last year's Ravens game? What if we do this? It's a classic comeback, two minutes left on the clock, you're down seven, drive, over the shoulder touchdown pass, two-point conversion. But... We leave 10 seconds left on the clock for Justin Tucker to walk out and miss a field goal. And it looks good, but it falls short. All of that and the Cowboys. Hey, Jerry. So we finished our script. We're going to end it on an overtime pick six, but we need Dak to hit Noah Brown in the helmet so it ricochets off into our guy's hands. (laughs) Can he make that throw? No. We could CGI it. <laughs> so the Jaguars went through their schedule release that way. The the head writers of the team going through it. That's that's the best one. I'm Boo. sorry, Brooke. No, here's the thing. I still think the Titans is the best. And yes, I'm being super biased. But even everybody on social media is loving it. Other teams have started changing their social media handles to what the Titans people predicted. So if you haven't watched the video, quick breakdown, they went on Broadway, and that is always a spectacle. If you have not been on Broadway in Nashville, you meet all types of people, usually people who've been drinking heavily, and they had them just try to guess the names of the teams just based on the logo, and they came up with a lot of different things. I told you guys earlier for like the Saints logo, they said St. Louis Rams, and so now teams are changing the names. <laughs> and like St. Louis Rams. 
That was a yes. Saints logo. And that was a Saints logo. <laughs> I don't know where she, but there, it just, it brought back memories of bartending every once in a while in Nashville and the types of people you would see, <laughs> the woo girls. If you've been to Nashville, you know the woo girls. And just seeing them answer those logos was the best thing ever. <laughs> it was the best thing. Lightning uh, McQueen. No. It was the lightning. That was the Chargers jersey. Yeah. <laughs> he said Chester Cheeto for the Jaguars. Yeah. I, and it was hilarious. And now teams are changing it. So in my book, that's a huge win. That's fantastic. Congratulations to your Titans. Thank you. Anyway, Thank you. It might be the only time you say that this year. Yeah, well, that's... Hey! As a long-time, long-suffering St. Louis Rams fan, if they would have done this back in the day, that would have been the highlight of the season. Mm. If they were creative doing it. And they well, had good people doing that they, stuff. They, they were so focused on not winning games, Randy. They, they couldn't uh, focus on much else. Yeah, they were pretty focused on that, no doubt about it. Had to be, to be that yeah. bad. Also, Randy, you asked us last week if any of us watched the Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney documentary about Welcome to Wrexham, the, yeah. them buying their club. Well, J.J. Watt is getting involved in, in a in a uh, championship club right now. It's going to be going up to the Premier League next year at West Ham. And he was doing some research for if he wanted to buy the club and he wanted to get involved with the fans. So how did he do his research? He went on a bar crawl throughout the neighborhood where his team plays in London and just went to all the different bars to quote unquote soak up the culture and the history of the club. It had nothing to do with the fact that it was a bar crawl in the middle of the day that he could probably write off on his taxes as a business expense. But I think JJ Watts got it figured out. You go yeah. over to England, you do a bar crawl, and then you tell you call your tax guy and say, Hi, I have some receipts for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> how you drink. Yeah, that, that's how you drink cheap is by just writing it off, no doubt about it. Also it makes me really want to I mean there there's this is why I, I need to become rich because they, I can buy some fourth division league European uh, soccer team for you know nowhere near what it costs to get mm-hmm. one here and I'll just tell people listen I'm doing research this is why I'm out at five star restaurants and at pubs at two o'clock Perfect. in the afternoon yeah. JJ Watt's a genius retire early and then go on bar crawls as your business that's Brilliant. how you figure life out thank you JJ for the for the blueprint for everybody that's else fantastic yeah now everybody gets it beautiful uh, it's Friday here you know what oh, oh. it's Friday a great job today by our audio producer and engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And let's thank Nepotism for that song, everybody. Rebecca yeah. Black? Yeah, her parents, because her parents, okay. she was 13, her parents went out and bought the studio and paid for them to make that car. song. I'm just saying. Man, well, I'm just on t- today on, on this Friday. You know what, let's Rock, thank sh- one thing I can respect about you is the consistency. You yeah. started how you finish it, brother. It's an unnecessary <laughs> shot of Chip yeah. Carey on the show, though. Oh no! I did nothing about Chip. Oh man, that man put in years of yeoman service down in Atlanta. He was a, he was an anchor on uh, uh, news no, desk for a while. Now, Come on now. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't talk Rebecca about Black on the other hand. Oh. Oh. Yeah, never talked about parents and stuff helping kids get success. <laughs> Never. How dare you? Where'd you go to high school? Uh, CBC. Oh, okay. (laughs) There you go. Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Brooke. Have a great weekend. Yes. Yes. Uh I'm going to have a great weekend and shout out to my Titans. And that was another thing you did. I'm sorry. I was so excited about that. You have number two in the entire league. (laughs) Do not be mad at consistency. We want to see consistency Mm -hmm. around here. You're right. You're right. I appreciate it. Consistent bitterness. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting, and, and 
Yeah, yeah. Being a yeah. Part of the show for all of us until Monday morning. Well, for these guys, I'm not here Monday, kids. Oh yeah, uh, I'm playing in, a, in the Bill McEntee Golf Tournament to benefit Backstoppers, and I will be back on Tuesday. But for these guys, until Monday morning at seven, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.